here. And welcome to the Best Picture cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one, each episode myself. And revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email. And our email is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. That's bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. That will be the email. Get us on any of our social media accounts, which are at bestpicturecast. So that's at bestpicturecast on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and Letterboxd. And it is a brand new year, and we're back yet again. It's 2022, but the Best Picture winners keep on rolling. And I have with me here today... Couple familiar voices. One who who's very familiar because he's got a little streak going here with these episodes, Ooh. and his name is Grant Z. Grant, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! I'm the uh, with the Cal Ripken of BPC. <laughs> I love it. Keep your Iron Man streak. <laughs> the Iron Man, great. The Iron Horse. How many in a row? <laughs> four, five, five. Four, five or so. Yeah. The Iron Iron Horse though would that's, be Luke Garrett. That's Garrett. Yes. Yes. But he also had a, a quite a streak himself. But. Well, it's probably more impressive back then. And joining us for this three-man pod, back to the three-man format for this week at least, and he is our uh, our master of the of the thirties and forties, it seems. <laughs> and he is Oz. Oz, welcome back. Yeah, how you doing? Happy New Year. I uh, I feel like my last appearance on Tom Jones was kind of like both Strike One and Strike Two for me. So <laughs> New Year, clean slate, no poison ivy talk, no Robin Hood men in tights talk. If you're going, I'm ready. I can't make any promises. If you're going to have a controversial episode, have it be on a movie that no one's ever seen and right. no one cares about. So I think that <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the right movie for that. We got it all out of our system. <laughs> you got to experience RDB with a uh, front row seat there, a little bit. courtside. Worth it. Yes, absolutely. But uh, no Tom Jones today, no 1960s today. We're living back in the 40s, which is where we left you last when we were talking Best Picture winners. The Best Years of Our Lives. That was yep. a movie that came out right as the war was ending. And this one is going to be one that comes out right as the war is beginning, at least from an American standpoint. And that is 1941's How Green Was My Valley. 1941, it's a John Ford-directed film. It is a movie that's probably most notable for beating Citizen Kane at the Oscars. It beat Citizen Kane as well as The Maltese Falcon, two highly regarded films in film history. But as we always say, it's not a who should have won podcast. Those two are losers looking on the outside because today we're talking about how green that valley can get. And Grant, how green is your valley today? Uh, you know, pretty green. It's the winter. But it's the it's winter. A, it's been a it's seasonably a warm little, winter. Yeah, it's... No, it's 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 going it's it's pretty green right now. It's uh little tan patches, I guess. That's little right. dried dried grass here and there. You kinda of stumped him with that question, which is funny. I was, you I was not expecting that. You would, you would have stumped me with that question as well. Well, you get to go second. How green is your valley, Oz? 
greenish, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you got your dog Percy is just not leaving patches in the in the lawn or anything. Ah, right? uh, the dog already destroyed uh, destroyed my my yard, my new grass in my yard. There's not green right. in the yard anymore. Percy's our BPC fourth. No, she ran she's out of the room. She'll be in and out. She'll be in and out. I don't want to judge your music picks. No one judges you as soon as you put that song on. She ran upstairs. She's a smart dog. She's a smart dog. Country keeps it real around here. Yes. So how green is our how green is our valley? My valley, your valley. Was. But yes. uh, the movie was a first watch for you guys, right? First, first yes. time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Um, Oz, you've kind of been our, uh, our our guy that throws it back here. Most of the episodes you've been on have been from either the 30s or the 40s. Yeah. You said you like the old ones. It's always easy to kind of give you one. So. Oh, I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I like going through these. Yeah, so we'll, uh, before we deep dive or get real into it, just first impressions here. How'd you, how was your viewing experience? What, what were you expecting coming in? Did you read about it or anything? Or did you just kind of cold turkey watch? No, I, I went cold turkey because I didn't know anything about this. I think that's the best way to do it. And it was, uh, it was quite the roller coaster. Okay. Um, as far as my feelings of this movie. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So I guess... Up, we'll, ups and downs. Ups we'll go through. and downs. Like, right. like, like, we'll like peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. Peaks, a lot of Some valleys. green, some black and white. And, uh, wow, so that's... I like that kind of like open-ended answer there. That leaves me wondering still. Well, I'll go to Grant. We'll go to you. Uh, how was yours? Did you know anything going in? Was this a blind watch? Um, I, I was familiar with the title because I work in the publishing world. I think I've seen that title getting thrown around here and there. Mm-hmm. Didn't know really anything about it. When I when this was assigned to me, I, I looked it up and it didn't sound very interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, I liked it more than I expected to. Okay, okay. Grant's uh, really nice. I, <laughs> he said a couple things in there that maybe, when it was assigned to me, he says. <laughs> well, well I, mean, it was, I mean, it wasn't like chomping at the bit to get it. It was yeah, bestowed is, upon me. This is a, like a holiday adjacent episode here we're trying to squeeze it in to be completely honest with you it's not even 2022 yet we're we're doing we're speaking from uh, the past here there's a little bit of a some as great we call it some time machine humor going on yeah exactly yeah but um so we're we're trying to get this thing done through the holiday so we this movie was selected real last minute this was not planned where i think pretty much the rest of season three is you were just you were just kind of looking for like an, an early episode just to kind of get out for the new year and you're like you know what i haven't done one with with you and Oz. So. Yes, we hadn't had that combo. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I, I the idea was because it's kind of a weird record time. Is I had to get two of the easier going or more most flexible people when it comes to record time. And Joey's obviously right in that mix too. But I think sure. Joey has been in every combination possible. Yeah. So far, Joey, so Joey's week. sitting outside. My house. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's, he's waiting through the window. He's in the, he's yeah. in the bullpen. Just, just, just waiting, 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 waiting for the to call on the righty. Yeah, we were joking. We we probably needed him here to go through yeah. this family tree and get all these names sorted out and everything. He he's tapped it. It's like I'm like tapped. <laughs> <laughs> he's practicing his, uh, his Gene Kelly moves. That's right. And while this is a, a, a first time the three of us are getting together, at least exclusively for pot, yeah. we all go well back pretty good here. So this is not sure. a new, uh, we're, we're not just getting familiar with ourselves no, here. We've no. been arguing and complaining about things for quite a while here. So. White seconds. Right. Yeah. And you guys were both on the Birdman episode together. Right? Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Awesome. debut. That was my first one. That's right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now, so yeah, so for me with this one, uh, this is a movie that I probably watched for the first time. About, uh, you know, seven to ten years ago or so, I would say. And it's a movie that has a kind of a lot of, there's some some family ties going on there with this one. I have my, my aunt, my dad's sister, was named after the character Bronwyn in this movie. Oh, wow. From this movie, yes. Okay. And she named her daughter Bronwyn, too. So there's, like, the tie in there. Okay. Um, plus, the, just the mm-hmm. heritage end of things, you know, like, I'm... My um, ancestors Welsh. are from that part of the world. They're not Welsh, but okay. they're Irish and 
and John Ford did everything he could to make the Welch Irish in this in this movie. So he was a, an Irish immigrant himself. So there's a lot of tie-ins there. And then I have a, a good portion of my family that's English. I'm not exactly sure which part of England. I think more. I hail from that part of the world as well. Yeah. So, so okay. So there were some, some some tie-ins there with that to me. So this was a movie that would, before I watched it was one that was kind of held in high regard around my area here. It was one I remembered enjoying quite a bit. Okay. When I first saw it. A little more complicated this time around, but um, I, I, whichever one of you said roller coaster was that Oz? That was I think idea. I kind of agree a bit because I think when you peel off some layers here, it's, things start to get a little more interesting. But anyway, we're going to talk about that. We're going to do that full deep dive. I do want to ask you first, what are you drinking here today? Oz, the host, we're in the Oz Studios here. What did you uh, pour for yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm skipping past the beer. I went with a, <laughs> a cocktail, a uh, bourbon, sweet vermouth. Bitters, a little cherry juice, and a cherry, better known as a Manhattan. Boom. Love it. I'm still um, seeking to make the perfect one. <laughs> a lifetime goal. Now, does it, is it a matter of like mixing up different kinds of bitters, different kind of vermouths? I think it's all in the proportions. Mm. Yeah. And you're still, you still haven't figured out the proportions. I, like I don't think so. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Now, have you tried like different flavored um, bitters? So I have orange, orange bitters I and cherry bitters. bitters in here. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm getting there. One All right, day. very nice. One very day you'll get there. One day. I believe And then I'm going to do a podcast about all of the <laughs> different <laughs> types of Manhattan's. You know, I, that's, there, there are worse ideas for podcasts than that. Grant, what do you have over here? I am drinking um, the Kona Brewing Company's uh, Pipeline Porter. What is my favorite beer of all time. Really? And, yeah, it's, and it's really hard to find. It's a limited release I just kind of stumbled upon when I was, uh, when I was at the beer distributor the other day. So I, I jumped on it because well, it really because it's hard it's hard to get Hawaiian beers out on the East Coast. So it just kind of fell into my lap and I jumped all over it. My I'll first be... thought was Pipeline was pretty uh, a pretty good connection to this. I think Union now Union you know, and, 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 and energy yeah. resources all that stuff. Yeah, you know I I got to be honest I passed that on the distributor too. They had a couple of ones that was the Pipeline was one of the ones I was looking at there. Yeah. And um, I was thinking, did you think any tie-ins with the what was going on historically when the movie came out? Oh, the, Pearl the Hawaii, Harbor. yeah, the Hawaii yeah. tie-ins. When 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 did this come out? This, come out, came out about, it, this came out in uh, late October, so, so about right a month right before, before October twenty eighth, nineteen forty one. So that's probably in yeah. theaters when Pearl Harbor was. Yeah, Pearl and Harbor it was a, it was a hit, and then I Jeez. think like right after. Obviously, when the U.S. got involved, a lot of the big key parts of this movie, some of the actors, some of the crew enlisted and went over there. Almost, you know, most of them, I mean, John Ford definitely went over there. He had, I think he had been over already, though. Look, he's with the Irish? Uh, the no, no, he, he enlisted with, with the U.S., a U.S. citizen. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but he was also involved in the Irish independence, um, you know, decades earlier. Sure. And you'd see when they were accepting a lot of their Oscars, they were all in their... Um, military oh, really? uh, outfits, yeah, That's great. and everything. So anyway, yeah. So I have the. Uh, it's been kind of a, a pursuit all month to get a watermelon beer from here. <laughs> if you're listening closely, I finally got my hands on one. Finally got it, and it's uh, from the Southern Tier Brewing Company. Southern Tier is located out in Lakewood, New York, and uh, it's the Nice Slice Session Ale with natural watermelon flavors, and it's just everything that I was looking for. Congratulations! Here. Yes, did. watermelon in the wintry months here. Still keeping the dream alive. Keeping my valleys green over here. That's how we do it. Okay, so do we have all our ducks in a row here? We have all our housekeeping done here. Anything else we can think of before we do this 
this deep dive back to 1941. Anything, boys? No. I don't think so. No. All right, let's get going. And the year was 1941, and the U.S. president was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning up some mistakes of the past. FDR would begin the final full term of his long tenure in the White House. He's reelected in 1944, but would die in office the following year. Not an easy year to be commander-in-chief in 1941 as it saw the first attack on U.S. soil. Japanese forces bombed U.S. military bases at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. Topic we will cover when we get to the movie From Here to Eternity. Roosevelt was born in Hyde Park, New York. Guys, did you know that Hyde Park was a thing? I know New Hyde Park. Yeah, New Hyde Park <laughs> is a town on Long Island around us, though. I, yeah. So I just, going through it, it's a Hyde Park. I is guess that, that like a... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, yeah. If there's a New Hyde, there's got to be a... It's by Poughkeepsie, New York. No, I never heard of it. Yeah, over well, by the bridge over there. So, uh, yeah, Hyde Park, New York is where FDR is. Interesting. The 1941 World Series, it was the Battle of New York, the New York Yankees defeat the Brooklyn Dodgers four games to one to capture their fifth title in six years. And this would be number nine overall. We have a couple of Yankee fans here in the house. Yep. Yeah, I looked that one up too. Not a lot of offense in that series. No. It was, however, the, the series that coined the term Subway Series. So that was the first time that was ever used. That's funny. Yeah. It was the first meeting between the two teams, though the Yankees had previously played crosstown rival New York Giants in the World Series five times leading up to this point. This would be the first of seven World Series showdown between the New York Yankees and the Brooklyn Dodgers before the Dodgers would move west to Hollywood. And this was a, uh, this was a weird one here, too. You never want to have that folly at the end of the game that you get remembered for. But with two outs and no one on in the ninth inning of game four, Tommy Henrik swung and missed at a would-be strike three breaking ball from Hugh Casey, but the ball bounced off the catcher Mickey Owens' glove and Henrik advanced to first base. So the non-baseball fans there, if on strike, you got the catcher has to catch the ball on strike three. Otherwise the runner can run to first base. Right. And this one got back to the backstop and he got on first. The Yankees would rally to take the lead, score four runs in the ninth, win the game 7-4, and the series, they'd win the following game. So that would, have, that would have tied things up two games to two had he just hung on to the ball there. What an unbelievably difficult thing to try to explain to a non-baseball fan. <laughs> <laughs> really hard to do. But why? Uh, just, you, you, know. just, you, just, you have to. It just is. It. Yeah. Strike three. Base, baseball is so ridiculous to explain to people that have no context for it. Yes, and I'm sure there are probably a few listening to this podcast here today. Well, but you know, listen, if you have any questions, just let us know. That's what we do. We're just trying to, we're just trying to broaden things out to everybody the best we can here. Yankees were managed by Joe McCarthy and led by Hall of Famers Joe DiMaggio, Phil Rizzuto, and Bill Dickey among others. The number one song of 1941 is Amapola, Pretty Little Poppy by Jimmy Dorsey. Amapola, parentheses, Pretty Little Poppy. Have we heard of that or Jimmy Dorsey? Are they both... I, the name Jimmy Dorsey sounds familiar. I couldn't tell you anything about him. Yeah, new stuff for me there on Pretty Little <clears throat> Poppy. Uh, other, other stars that topped the charts in 1941 were Glenn Miller, Artie Shaw, mm. and Freddie Martin. Best Picture winner of 1941 was How Green Was My Valley. It was directed by John Ford, produced by Daryl Zanuck, adapted screenplay by Philip Dunn, based on Richard Llewellyn's best-selling novel, music by Alfred Newman, cinematography by Arthur C. Miller, film editing by James Clark, art direction by Nathan Jurin and Thomas Little, 
Hungry in My Valley is starring Maureen O'Hara, Walter Pigeon, Donald Crisp, Anna Lee, Sarah Allgood, Roddy McDowell, and Barry Fitzgerald. Nominated for 10 Oscars, the winner of five, including Best Picture, Best Director, John Ford, Best Supporting Actor, Donald Crisp, Best Art Direction, Black and White, Best Cinematography, Arthur C. Miller. The awards it was nominated for but did not win. There were five of them. Supporting Actress, Sarah Allgood. Best Writing Adapted Screenplay, Philip Dunn. Best Film Editing, James Clark. Best Score, Alfred Newman. And Best Sound Recording. So there you go. Up for 10. Would win five of them, but significant wins, I must say. I It was John Ford's third Best Directing win, and he would go on to win a fourth. So he is the man who has won the most Oscars for Best Director four times. Yeah. Of those four wins, though, only one Best Picture winner. That's so, really funny. Yeah, the, other, really the other three were The uh, the Informant, Grapes of Wrath, right. and Quiet Man, starring John Wayne. So those were the other three in there. And uh, Quiet Man will come, I think, about ten years after this one. Mm. Marino Harrow as well. Also, uh, our boy uh, Father Fitzgibbons, who's in this one, Barry Fitzgerald, mm -hmm. is, in, is in that movie, too. So uh, did you did he stick out to you? Did you notice him at all when he popped I up? I didn't. Right? Um... Well, we, we can talk about him later, actually, but I was like, I looked, because I looked up his character, I'm like, Barry Fitzgerald sounds really familiar. Yeah. It didn't occur to me that that was the same guy from Going My Way. Yeah, he had but, he had a couple line deliveries a little later on in the movie that I'm like, oh, was, wait, he, I mean, he, that's he Father played, Fitzgibbon. He played a big role in the, in the, uh, in the wedding scene. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Grant loves talking about going my way. <laughs> he Absolutely does. I, you guys, if, if you've listened to the rankings episode, By you, now know you, my, know. you know my thoughts about it. Great, you have to watch it. Four, <laughs> you have to watch it fourteen times before you yeah. run it back. That's the only. Run that's, it back. that's the only way Joey thinks you watch the movie. You have to watch it fourteen times back to back. <laughs> to watch it until you like it, damn it. <laughs> Just, I think another notable thing you got to throw in there: Arthur C. Miller wins best cinematography. Uh, he beats Greg Toland for Citizen Kane. Yeah. Now that's interesting that's... on first look, and we've already kind of. In our uh, Best Years of Our Lives episode, we, we kind of we scoffed fawned all over Greg Tolan. Absolutely. I will say, though, Arthur C. Miller is a highly respected cinematographer. Sure. Who is not like, it was just like a random name that hopped in. He's, a, he's won the Oscar three times. This was his uh, first of three. So he had been nominated once before for The Bluebird. He won for How Green Is My Valley. Then uh, he wins again for Song of Bernadette and Anna was, is the King of Siam. Was Tallinn nominated? Uh, he was. Some, yes. Well, at least yes. he was nominated. He did get the nomination, yes. Yeah, he was not nominated for uh, Best Years. Best Years or Lesser. This movie looked great, too. It did. It looked fantastic. It looked good. Yeah, and Miller's a highly respected black and white cinematographer. Yeah. That's like one of his, his go-tos. And I should say here, too, that if we talk about just like the history of this movie and the production of this movie a little bit. By the way, real quick. Arthur C. Miller's from Roslyn, New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hometown boy there. This movie was supposed to be directed by William Wyler. Originally. Yes. Yeah. And it was supposed to be four hours long in Technicolor. So... It would have been green. <laughs> it would have been plenty green. It was supposed to be filmed on location in Wales, too. And they couldn't do it because of World War II. Is yeah, the Nazis, uh, the yeah. Nazis, the Blitzkriegs of England there was... Wales became a target. So they weren't going to be able to go over there. The delay put William Wyler in a situation where his contract was up with Fox Studios. He went elsewhere, and then it really was kind of shelved. The producer, Dalzanik, who this was a real passion project for him, kind of had shelved it. He's realizing that his whole his whole kind of next Gone with the Wind, because that was supposed to be like the Gone with it the Wind feels of, like it. of Wales, just wasn't really going to happen. 
And then John Ford gets involved, and that becomes interesting because John Ford kind of considers this like a semi-autobiography, which is weird to think that he wasn't the original director. Like, he kind of hopped in on a project that was already in motion, and yeah. that kind of helped tell his life story. And Well, I mean, it's all pre-existing, right? It's based on a book anyway, so yeah. it wasn't yeah. like, yeah. So he said a couple things in there that, mm -hmm. I, that I think were really interesting. So the fact that it was, quote-unquote, and I don't... I believe you that we saw it. Who knows if that's true, but if it was supposed to be four hours, that makes sense to me because so much of this is really underdeveloped, mm, yes. a lot of this. Yep. Yes. Um, and the fact that John Ford felt very close to it also makes sense because I think what everyone loved about the movie is they kind of made it so everyone can relate. They yeah. made so many relatable parts. Oh, for yeah. sure. So, yeah. It's interesting to think about what this would look like in in the lens of A Gone with the Wind, where it's pushing four hours and it's in Technicolor and I've... it's or and it's filmed in Wales. This was filmed in Malibu, California, which is probably the reason they needed it to be black and white because the, the only way they could make the hills over there look like and then yeah, the flowers were different color and yeah. things like yeah. that. Yeah, so to to get it to and then that's part of where the cinematography comes in too, where he's got to make this believable, so it just doesn't look like Southern California. Right. That's know, very so. hard. Yeah. yeah, like I, I feel like. Uh, the Welsh and Southern California <laughs> ecosystems are very, very different. So it, it was actually really impressive, the fact that... Because, like, I, I was actually surprised when I found out that it was actually filmed in California. As was I. Yeah. yeah. yeah because it really does... It really does... They do a tremendous job of building this town up and, and having it look like an authentic Welsh town. It's also kind of interesting to think of how the shift of directors would change things, too. Because, you know, Ford has a certain way of styling. He loves his... He loves his long shots from, from drawn back. He likes oh, a lot yeah. of this action going yes, on in does. the distance. Doesn't like to move the camera. Doesn't like close-ups. So right. there's a lot of letting the scene develop. And one of the things that uh, that came up a lot too is because he's a very slow-paced director. He likes to let things develop. Producer, Daryl Zanuck, is the opposite. He's a pace guy. Let's get this thing moving. Right. Let's get moving. So the two sides working head-to-head -head kind of created a middle ground That's interesting. that they more or less needed. And what we that middle ground was also needed when we get into the union stuff because that was kind of one of the bigger deals about the production of the movie, too. We don't need to start off with that there. Oz, I want to ask you, Is you, one of the things you mentioned in the intro to this is that it was a bit of a roller coaster for you. Why don't we get into a little bit of, of how the how, whys, and, and whens here. Right, so right off the bat, I said, uh-oh. Because <laughs> we got a we got a flashback mm. of a guy to his childhood where he's gonna narrate his childhood and it appeared it was gonna span like a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And that is not my favorite thing in the world. And that's <laughs> the, like, uh, oh, you're getting cavalcade flashbacks. Yeah. Um and then even I don't want I don't wanna jump, but uh it looked like a potential love story with Hugh and, and Bronwyn. Bronwyn yeah. Um, and I was like, oh no, is this like a, is this like a 30 year love story? Like, am I watching <laughs> Benjamin Button without the, without the aging thing? I, I don't want it. I don't want it. Oh, so at first it, I said, no. Yeah. Bad. It, <laughs> it went out when this movie starts off very concerning. Yes. yes. It does. It starts off in a very concerning way because the narration is everywhere. And, and he's, He's just setting the table, but you don't know that when you first watch it. And you're like, if this happens for two hours, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm, I'm done. I gotta be honest, guys, too. And you know, this one coming in, I'm just like, all right, well, you know, I don't, I know I like this movie, and I didn't necessarily watch it in a time of my life when I was super patient with with these things. Yeah. So I turned this one on last night, 
And about 15 minutes in, I go, I liked this movie. What is happening to you? <laughs> yeah, but as the movie moved on, there were some it, things that started to materialize. It a really, bit. like, when they get home from the, from the mines the first time, that's when it really starts picking up. The narration's still there, mm -hmm. but you, you kind of get more of a sense that this is just, he's just sitting at the table. He's just kind of letting you know what's going on. And then we'll take it from Yeah, here. I agree that that's when it kind of picks up. Yeah, uh, but then, right, right, home, right yeah. off the bat, I have two questions for you. Okay, guys. okay. Because right in the beginning, when he's talking about his memory, he says, who shall say what is real or not? Mm -hmm. It's right off the beginning. So yeah. is this just an unreliable We got a Braveheart situation. Is this an unreliable narrator? Which would make sense because there's a lot of scenes Hugh is nowhere to be found. Mm. Yeah. And it's supposed to be his memory. It's very strange. Sure. And my second question is, do we care? Does it matter? It doesn't matter. I'll shelve my response to that okay. for a little later on when we start getting in, into a little deeper the themes. Uh -huh. I, I, but I will, I will say that it does matter a bit. In, okay. in the, that, that line matters because of where, of where the movie's going to go, in my, in my perception. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think when you, when, you have a, when you have a story like this, whether or not it's completely factual, what Mark Twain says. No, that like, does not matter. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, don't let the don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Absolutely, um, and, we, and we 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 hold strong with that around. Right, yes. I, I have more of a problem with it with historical movies. But yeah. when you talk about a movie like this, it's it yeah. Oz, when you're asking, does it matter? Are you asking about like the accuracy of the of the facts within it? Does or? it affect your enjoyability of the movie? Okay, no, Do it doesn't. Care, right? No, it doesn't. Okay, but yeah. I think that that line matters within the theme. Yes. Of, of the movie. Yeah, of, of the and you could tell. I mean, he's just this is all rose colored glasses for him. Right? Yes. Because then I mean, you can yeah. say right off the bat. And rose-colored and the other way, too. Yeah. If you go back to him being, you know, in the school and his, what happened to him in the school, I wouldn't say that that's rose-colored memories. No, true. Yeah, there's, some, there's some bad, he's bad not stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> he's not recalling algebra and uh, geometry. He's, yeah. he's recording, you know, getting getting beaten in the schoolyard. So. Getting um, caned. You guys have already both brought up the narration a little bit here. We love to talk narration yeah. at, at Best Picture Cast. What do you think of the narration as a whole in this thing? I think it's fine. It worked? Yeah, to be, I, and I'm, I'm also much more forgiving narration than you are than yes. the average bear. Yeah. So, no, I, I, was, I was fine with it. I think, I think it was arduous in the beginning, but then, you know, we kind of laid off and, yeah, I, I think you kind of, well, it, it, you know, when you compress this movie from four hours to two hours, you yes. need to take some shortcuts. And that was, a, uh, that was something that the, that the, um, that the screenwriter, Don, had, had some issues with, Phil Dunn. But, Oz, what did you think? I thought it worked. Mm -hmm. um, again, I was very afraid at first. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But it, it really, it, it, it smoothed over pretty quick. I think overall, it yeah. was not one of the, it was one of the good things about the movie, not one of the bad. Yeah. yeah, and it, for me, it was like a bit of a mixed bag. You know, I, I agree with you guys that the final product worked. The beginning is, is definitely, you're getting into this, ooh, because it's it, it just felt a little uneven at times, you know? And we didn't get to really see the speaker. You know, we, we see his hands, basically. Yeah, they show it right. And, and I, I kind of like, I kind of wish that we would have had... A visual. A, a, a more of an image of him yeah. so that we're... That we fully grasp that he's that the that the, the 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 voice of the narrator lived this, and that's what I didn't feel my first time watching this. Yes. Thing. I didn't get it. it. It felt very cold and uneven. Well, now I, I will say this though, and this is just in doing the research afterward, is is that narration was not a common practice back then. It wasn't like it is today, where we see it all the time and it's, we can associate it with big things. Back then, I mean, it was done before, but it wasn't just like a it wasn't a tool or a trick that they had going. And Phil Dunn was sweating over this novel. I'm like, geez, this is like this real poetic, well-written thing. Yeah. How am I going to fit this into two hours? 
And if you listen to the content that the narrator puts forward, particularly on the bookends, the very beginning and the very end, yeah. it's some really well-written, really nice yes, stuff. Yes, it is. And it's too much right in the beginning. You're kind of just like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. what is yeah, this? Yeah. Charles Dickens hour or whatever? What are we doing here? They, yeah. they throw you right into the deep end of it. They do. They, they do. really do. But and when you run it back after getting to the end of it, then it, 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 it kind of feels a little bit It different. pieces together, together a little better. Yeah. Right, right away, it's, it's the, the oh no part of the movie. <laughs> They're introduced to the big family. None of the brothers have anything distinguishable about them. They're just no, they all, blank faces. Yeah, they all kind of blend together. And they, that was a major running issue with me throughout this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah the I think, I think the, only, the only one that stood out was Ianto. Yeah, but nothing happened to any... Well, I can't well say we have... Happened. I will say this, though, that we have Igor, right? Is it... I, I, Igor. Igor. I, yeah. Ivor, well, Ivor, who who dies in the in the mine. Yeah, and he's the one who marries brown one, brown, right? Brown. But now I and they were there was a lot of talk of Ivor because things happened to him. But I just yeah, I couldn't I think just line up. No, no. But I had just watched uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm this week. With, um, Bill Hader is guest star. Oh, I, I, guess plays, I haven't seen it yet. He plays three triplets. Uh, oh, Igor. <laughs> Igor, um, Bogor, and whatever. Oh Those are the three names. And I just couldn't get out of my house laughing so much. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's uh, splendid, splendid. Ianto looks like uh, Nathan Fillion a little bit. And I'm a fan of his, and that's maybe why he stood out to me. Another question that I have just it's in general with this thing is, how much time is passing that's a this huge, thing? That's a humongous especially, especially when you have a boy in this movie who doesn't age who at all. Who stays a boy, and you don't see that too often. Usually they'll change actors like Slumdog Style... Yeah. Or maybe they'll have like the adult actor and then have a kid play him in the beginning. That's what it was originally going to be I, when um, William Wyler was involved. I yeah. originally had um, that in nitpicks, but that's just like almost a fatal flaw of the movie. It's not even a nitpick. Yeah, the, yeah, it's, it's yeah because all of a sudden he's like he's a child, but then he's in school and, and then he finishes now, school and, and then he's working. Yeah, then he finishes school. And he could go to college. And he kind of looks like Little Oliver throughout the whole. And he, like, whole looks, thing, he looks like right? he's, 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 he still looks like the kid from Jurassic Park. Right. Yeah. Yes, just yes like, he does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's that's a massive problem. There's something that. going on with him. Yeah, like, you, you can yeah you can under you can understand well that makes it too right because he talked about how he fell in love with her but like it's like dude you're like you're ten years old so why you it's just, right you know, he like, is ten when him and his uh, when his brother and Bron would meet and he's still ten. When, when his he moves in, when he moves, birth, when his, his sister-in-law gives yeah. birth, to the baby. and then he's ten when he moves in with her. So like, and when you're working with, at the mine. So when when William Wyler was projected to do this thing, the cast was going to look very very different. You had yeah, Catherine Hepburn was going to play the, the Maureen O'Hara role. Um, SLO Florence Olivier yes. was going to play the Walter Pigeon role, and you had Greer Garson in the Annalee Bronwyn role. Okay, Tyrone Power was going to play Hugh, but they were going to lean into more of the adult. They were going to have him play like young and then just have an aged up guy play down too. So they were going to yeah. kind of hedge the, hedge the way a little bit with that. What's, what, do you, what did you think of, uh, of um, Hughes' performance, Roddy, Roddy McDowell? I, I think he's amazing. Carried yeah, a very heavy load. Yeah, yeah he was thought, a, it's got to be one of the best performances of a, of a child actor of all time. Yeah, I think yeah. it's especially back, especially back then where it's really easy for child actors just to be... To be dreadful, I thought he did a very good job. Yeah, handpicked by William Wyler too. That was okay. he was he was ready oh, really? to go. Yeah, he by was William ready to Myler go. Or that. John Ford uh, by William Wyler. Oh wow. Like, yeah, okay. once once they decided that maybe they were gonna do do the kid do a kid acting thing with it. Okay. He met him and said, you know, this is the guy, and then things went south, and then so Ford kind of inherited him, and then loved him and, and made it work from there. Yeah. So it's it, it um, could have easily been a shit show. 
Oh, but yeah. oh, but yeah. I mean, we yeah. saw with Oliver. Yeah, you know, I mean, but he really he really carried the weight. I mean, that's part of my roller coaster uh, theme of this movie. <laughs> uh, you know, as bad as as the aging is, the kid who plays Hugh is so good. That yeah, it, it yeah. Some of what what were his best moments for you in this one? I I love the whole school scene mm. that from from front to back. School stuff was good. Yeah, yeah, the school stuff was my favorite part for him. Some great working punches in this yeah. one. Yeah, oh, uh, oh, and, okay. and, and some oh, great okay. selling. His, his body shots. On yeah, the, the tall yep. kid. But his, yeah. his facials throughout the movie were so good. Like his mm. facial uh, expressions. Acting, yeah, yeah. His, his physical acting was extremely good yeah. in this movie. His vocal acting was very reserved too. You know, yes, he, he yeah. didn't he didn't lean into any lines too much. He really the, kind of the, the yeses yeses. Yeah, the um, yeah, the stuff when he was bedridden was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it could have been really easy for someone to ham it up, or to really overplay it. And he felt he really he felt believable as his sick kid on this kind of on death's doorstep a little bit. Yeah, and I also loved the, all the coal mine stuff. I thought yeah, he yes. really good down there, holding yeah. that spike with the, the guy would come out. The guy, Jesus, that's the that's the physical acting. That <laughs> yeah, really yeah. that yeah. was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, crazy stuff. Bad as they did, and this kind of happened back to back in the movie, so it's probably a good time of introducing the brothers. I thought they did an amazing job of introducing Griffin yeah. organically into yes. the plot. Yeah, yeah, Walter Pigeon. Yes, that wedding. He's the pastor. Everyone's celebrating. That's an appropriate time. Even even at the wedding, he's kind of making eyes with um, with mm-hmm. Angerad. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense for that character to be there. And, yeah, and exactly. Characters be together. It wasn't yeah. forced. It was uh, well done. Their, their relationship, Mister yeah. Griffith and Angerad, their relationship, I feel like was really naturally progressed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Now we all went to Catholic school, right? Yes, we did. Is he supposed to be celibate? Uh, no. Okay, no. Okay, he's no. not. No. Which which brought well, they're, they're a lot Protestant. of are they are they Catholic or Protestant? He he is he is a minister who is allowed to right. he is a he is allowed to wed. Just right. gonna yes. uh, cross out one of my nitpicks. Well, that well Oz will <laughs> will you know we're not in the nitpick zone yet, but we'll I will throw that out there is that has been one of the more major nitpicks of this movie okay. is the the unbelievability that he wouldn't. Go for her. That he would remain restrained from right. her because his vocations don't call for that. He doesn't have to. Now, one of the theories is is that John Ford is a devout Catholic, and he was projecting a bit, and he was projecting what he, he thinks was, the priest's role should be. He was sprinkling some Catholicism yeah. on that. Yes, role. yes, and and one of the things he did a lot of sprinkling. I don't agree with it. He did a, a lot of sprinkling of culturalism in this mm-hmm. as a whole too, because he had Irish actors all over the place. He really kind of just took the story and made it Ireland, even though <laughs> it was in Wales. Like, yeah, and he moved, he moved it to Cork. Yeah, yeah, listen, he was the youngest son of um, of an Irish immigrant family. Sure. So this was a lot of the stuff he lived. You know, we talk about it being a semi autobiography. He had a similar relationship with with his parents. He had he had a lot of those same experiences of being the youngest of a bigger family. So there was a lot of personal touch here. Yeah. So Ford essentially doubled down on uh, Griffin not wanting to bring someone into the being poor. Mm-hmm. Right. That was his excuse. Mm-hmm. I don't want to bring you into this world, as opposed to the celibate situation. That's how he explained yeah. it. And I mean it, that that, that, that kind of sense. yeah. But I will say though, one of the things that I liked about the character. And that kind of unknown area there is is that he had some sort of emotional restraint or or romantic restraint that kept him away from the situation. Now, we don't yeah. know exactly what that was, 
But that was a character trait of that character. So it sure. may not make sense, but how many people do we cross upon our daily lives that just their actions don't make sense or their, what is it, like unrequited love? Right. You know, they just, yeah. they just didn't work out for whatever right. reason. And it, I kind of like that. I like that there's a little bit of a, an unknown gray area in there because it's not sure. like... There's not like a specific flaw to it where it's just like, okay, come on, this makes no sense whatsoever. It's like kind of like he's just, there's something about him that he can't connect the dots he's with. He's married it. to the Lord. You know, and, yeah. And Catholic or not, priest or not, sometimes people prioritize that over or, of, uh, a romantic relationship. Oz, I do have a question because I, I feel like Kieran and I are kind of split on this in terms of like actors that are portraying somebody from a different, from a specific region who don't have the right accent. Does it take you out of Does it? Does it take, like, so did Mr. Griffith not having an English accent or a Welsh accent, was that, I mean, obviously it didn't take you out of it, but was it, was, were you like, I wish he had an accent? So I'm going to get, uh, I'm just going to hedge my answer, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't in this one, because I don't, I'm not overly familiar enough with but, like, he's like the only one. He's like the only one with an American accent you know, the whole Yeah, movie. this one, I don't, for that, that didn't bother me, but. It could. Okay. I mean, you know, if you, if you give me, if it's a serious movie and it's supposed to be a New York accent and it comes in with a, either over the top or like a Boston yeah. accent. Well, like, 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 uh, I'm not starting a debate or anything. Yeah. But like, um, Clark Gable in Mutiny on the Bounty. That's one of the examples I was just thinking of. Yeah. Like having, just, just being Johnny All-American. I guess it doesn't bother me because that okay. didn't bother me either. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it does, and I've just said you, you know, in the past, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. I would rather, yeah. I would rather the good performance sure. than the forced accent. My like, answer is the, the no. Leo in Blood Diamonds. You know, it's done where I'm sure. constantly distracted with what the hell's going on. Yeah. yeah, you know. But when you nail it, when you get like a Matt Damon in Invictus, and he nails right. the South, the I mean, South African accent is not the easiest thing <laughs> no. in the world to deal with. You know, but that goes very well, and it would kind of be weird if Matt Damon was just talking like Matt Damon on a South uh, African soccer team. So I. Right. It, I think it matters in the movie. It's a case-by-case -case basis. I think the thing. older movies probably get a wider gap and a wider pass than maybe some of the newer yeah. movies. I don't know why, but that's just kind of... I'm, just, I'm personally just a little okay. more forgiving. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not deducting points. Well, let me ask you about The Departed. I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this one way, but just sure. we'll ask you again. Do the accents annoy you in that movie? Do they take you out of it at all? Not really. Um, I, I think... Because it's, it's also like... When you're talking about regional... U.S. accents. It's, not everyone has those accents up there. Not mm -hmm. everyone like like we're from Long Island. None of us really have a Long Island accent. Right. It's it's more like country based mm -hmm. than anything. Yeah. Okay. When there's like you know you have that makes a lot of sense. Right. You have yeah. Clark yeah, Gable from California point. trying to be a British officer and just talking right. like from California. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, I'd rather no accent than a bad than a bad accent. Right. If that makes sense. Yes. But it's, it's like that, it, that's it, exactly it doesn't. How I feel. Yeah. It doesn't. Like, it doesn't kill the movie for me. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's yeah. just like one of those yeah, things it's, I'm it's, like... it's worth being brought up. Like, and we have people with too. Irish accents. We have people with, you right. know, with, with, with Welsh accents and, and like, British. It, it works for, like, it works on Badeus for some reason. I think because the movie's just so kind of crazy. Yes. That it, 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 you're kind of like, okay, like, we're just going for it. Yeah, there's, a, there's like weird. a, um, there's like a dream reality feel to yeah, the movie exactly. anyway. It's, so, it's, yeah. it's, it's ethereal. Yeah, Walter Pigeon's uh, portrayal is real, is real cool in this. Uh, I think he's a nice presence. He's great. It was it was kind of nice to have someone to break us away from the family a little bit. You know, I, I needed a yeah. little bit of an outside Necessary. source. So that was yeah, yeah. It was good. And and and, and he was incredibly charismatic mm -hmm. and charming. He had, he almost had like a, a Gregory Peck vibe. To Did him. I thought that too? Right, I you, had felt, that you felt you felt a little uh, yep. little Peck 
peck. We got pecked Five. a little bit. We got pecked a little, a little, peck. Peck. A little peck, peck on the chin. Little peck. Walter Pigeon nominated for two Oscars. One of the ones we'll, we'll get him in is Mrs. Miniver, the, uh, the final uh, William Wyler movie for us to cover. Okay. That was that was 1943s and nominated in 1944 for Madame Curie as well. So he had a back-to-back year. So he had a nice little run for Walter Pigeon here and in the be- early 40s. Before we move on uh, from the past, Eric, how fun did that wedding look? It was like a wedding bachelor party. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about wild. the two weddings? So you have the, the one in the beginning was a blast and the other one was not no more, uh, uh, not the juxtaposition of the two yeah yeah, yeah I, I liked that a lot I thought that was one of the craftier things that, that Ford did in this movie was just showing the, the joy of the uh, of the, the family wedding that they were all hyped on and then the loveless and how drab wedding. the other yeah, one was yeah pretty yeah that was a smart way how about that game that the the game they have to sing I couldn't do that sober no <laughs> I can do that sober. <laughs> Mr. O.P., P- Peter O.P. I like yeah. those. Uh, we need to go to a Welsh wedding. <laughs> more, yeah, I think that was more of some Irish drinking stuff yeah. being sprinkled in by John Ford there. Yeah. But what's our wedding count at here yeah, now with CPC? We have, the, we have the Godfather, obviously. Did we have oh. we had a wedding last week with the uh, uh, best years of our lives? We did. That's two. Braveheart. Braveheart. There's, wedding. Wedding. There's, There's two yes. weddings in Braveheart. Right. Okay. There's two weddings. There so. had to be a wedding somewhere in Cavalcade, right? Was, uh, was I it? think so. <laughs> I don't know if there much, is. There was everything else. No, because the couple that was engaged, they died on the Titanic. Spoiler. Oh, no, wait, or, that, or that was their honeymoon. Yeah, that was their honeymoon. But we didn't we, see, we, we didn't we, see we, the wedding. Not, yeah, we got to see a bride. We got to see a bride for to be a wedding. Fair. Something to think about as we go here with these episodes. I'm sure there's a couple more we're, we're missing here. <laughs> Or have to be. <laughs> we got to get our, our official BPC wedding guy. Yeah. I know at least Joey is screaming at the. At his Joey knows. Joey knows all of it. Oh, I forget it. And, 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 and the minute mark that <laughs> it, uh, that happens. How could they not remember there was a wedding in Broadway Melody 1929? Was, wow. there, was there was there was there one in Twins? I don't remember. <laughs> Maureen O'Hara plays uh, Ang- Angrid. Angrid. We're gonna do our Ang- best. Ang- Anger- Angerod. 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 Yeah, she's the uh, the older sister. What do we do her performance here? She's 22, kind of just getting her, her career started here. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a nice performance. I loved, I loved her performance. Loved uh, it. I'm a fan of, uh, I mean, I really only know her from Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> and uh, she's fantastic in that. She's, you know, like five years older. She's, I, th- I thought she was, I thought she was really great in this movie. Yeah, in the original Parent Trap, too. That was one that was definitely oh, on a lot uh, when I was younger. So I think because she played the mom in that. Never nominated for an Oscar, unfortunately. I think she might have gotten an honorary one at some point. Yeah, an honorary one in 2015. Way later. It's like right on. before she died. Uh, passes away in 2015. 2015. Yeah. yeah, so she passed away in October. She got it in, in March, so at 95. Boy, they really... Uh, they, they waited until like a stiff breeze can blow her down, and just like, all right, here, here's here's your here's your award. At ninety four, they're like, yeah, yeah, we get one more year, one more year. <laughs> we can let this cook for a little bit longer. I think she definitely pulled her weight in this movie and helped it along. This is we you know, we talked about this last we talked we talked about this before with um in best years strong women in the movie, and mm-hmm. I, I think I think she kind of carries. Carries the torch a little bit. Her, yeah. her, her, both her and Beth are no nonsense. Maureen O'Hara is kind of a, vic- a victim of circumstance. Yeah, very much so. In a like, major way. Great performance in that in that wedding scene, though. Coming out with the veil, kind of blowing in the wind, yeah. and her stone face going down the procession through the family. It was a really, really well shot scene. Yeah. But I loved her in it, and and her. Uh, going through the procession there with that. I liked her both, and I liked Anna Lee as Bronwyn, too. I mean, just both those performances really, really yep. worked for me. The Bronwyn character is an interesting character, because she's kind of like the apple of the eye of, of Hugh there, 
and she doesn't get like a ton of material. Yeah, but like, and also like they kind of they they set that up, but it really doesn't go anywhere either. It's oh, it goes completely nowhere. Yeah, yeah it's just, which it's like is a dead end story. Yeah, again, I think part of the issue of cramming this thing into a two hour movie. Yeah. yeah. Whereas what what happens is in the, the source material is is that he never weds because okay. his love was always her. Oh, interesting. And yeah, and you know, she married his brother. He would, you know, he still always kind of yeah, just yeah, longed yeah. for her. So he never oh, went anywhere. Okay. He never went anywhere with his love life, much yeah. like he never really went anywhere with his professional life too. Which yeah, kind of that's, kind of, that's kind of the legacy of this movie. Where for me, it's just like a lot of swords in the fire, and just a lot of them don't get picked up. Yeah, even with the uh, Ang Angarod, Marina <laughs> Hara has a couple like great scenes with with Griffin. A couple great one on one on one scenes, which goes back to the question. How did Hugh know about that? If he's telling us that this is Hugh's story, how does he know about that? Mm -hmm. No way that he was told that as a kid. But whatever, we, we can look past that. But then she comes back. She marries this uh, uh, Le Leston Evans. Great heel name, by the way. <laughs> Leston Real Evans. Leston Evans. And then she's back and living in his house. Okay, so yeah, well, they return from from the cave from, the, just from South though. Africa. He just her, just her. Not yeah, him. he stays, and he so stays. she just lives at the. Um. Well, yeah, because there's not a divorce yet. Because right. remember, the divorce is part of the rumors. There. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. ruining divorce. Ruining divorce. So <laughs> it's still if they're married, it's still technically her property. But then we get like that housekeeper who doesn't like her clearly, and clearly. gives us major Mrs. Danver vibes. And remember, this is a year yeah. after Rebecca. Yeah. So don't think that that wasn't uh, that wasn't she was, into. There. I mean, I don't think she can hold a candle to Mrs. Danvers, but no, certainly not. But yeah. but the, but they're, they're definitely going. She was like Mrs. Danvers meets Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> Just feel like something was missing there. She's gone. She returns oh, with, yeah. without the despicable Leston Evans, and then lives in his house. It's like, all right. Boy, he was unlikable, though. He was really, he had that real the smug. brothers really eyed him down, too. Yeah, yeah, was, nobody, 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 liked, nobody liked him. Strategic move, though. Making, uh, That's what marriage was back then. We'll get into that. I mean, that, was, that was his boss's son. Yep. So, I mean, that kind of leads us into, into the parents here with Donald Crisp as, as Mr. Morgan and Sarah Allgood as Mrs. Morgan. They both get nominations for these roles, um, supporting actor and supporting actress alike. I kind of thought that they were the two strongest performances in this movie. I, I, for this one, I didn't really look up any of the words till after my first viewing. But they stood out, and then when I saw that they were the two that got noms, that kind of made some some sense to me. And then Donald Crisp actually won his. I agree with you on uh, Sarah Allgood. I don't know if I agree with you on Donald Crisp. Not that it was bad. I decided that one didn't jump out at me. Hmm. I really liked his performance. Did you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved, uh, loved their dynamic. I mean, I, I'm not in LVP territory with him or anything. Yeah, no, that 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 would be uh, that be. Thought that Sarah Alda would be the one that stands out out of those yeah. two. Yeah, I I thought I thought um I thought their relationship was very comfortable, very lived in. Like they just they had no problem portraying that they've been married for so many years. Yeah, and I think if we're looking at this through the perspective of of Hugh, perspective the perspective of a, of a young kid growing up and looking at his, his parents and watching his parents as he grows, I thought they each brought the right kind of unique qualities to make that part of the narrative believable. You know, he was was tough, he was stern, 
but he had this warm side of him, mm-hmm. the side that could laugh at himself a little bit where he you know, gets the water dumped over his head or you know, he's walking around with no shoes on because he was just dunking his feet. Like there was, you could see that the, that, that the kid, though he, he respected his sternness and there was a level of fear there, he still really looked up to his dad. And, and I thought one of the best moments between the two of them and the whole thing was when the other brothers had the argument yeah. uh, about the unions and what they're gonna do. And he said, well, you know, he's, he's old school and he's you know not in my house, and if you don't like it, you can leave. And they go one by one, and he's looking down, all furious, and and it's only Hugh left at the table, yeah. and Hugh's like clanking making the dishes, noise. And, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of like what Artie does when he's waiting to make a point, you know, <laughs> <laughs> does Ready a first, uh, yeah. <laughs> does does a little like kind of like fake sneeze, and and the dad says, "I know that you're still there, my son." Yeah. So a very nice moment between the two of them, and just a great part of that John Ford filmmaking of showing the distance, the physical distance yeah. between each other from that long shot back. He's all the way at the end of the table, almost like Batman style with Batman, <laughs> Batman and Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer. Yeah. Very well shot scene and really a, a great, great yeah. emotionality there too. There was another moment in the beginning where everyone sits down for dinner and Hugh goes to grab a piece of bread first and then he realizes that like the dad and some of the other brothers are just like glaring at him. <laughs> and he sheepishly puts it back and puts it... Yep. And then you see the dad just look at him just kind of laugh and smile just like yeah all right yeah <laughs> he's very stern hard working hard nosed but there is this warmth behind it all yeah he's very balanced yeah mm-hmm. and, and he's not he's not afraid to show it either yeah and, it, and in a tricky kind of spot with his sons and the workplace yeah we gotta we gotta spend some time on the union stuff yeah right? i mean now's, you now's know the time yeah let's yeah. do it now yeah yeah look that this is where i think the movie excelled and at the same time could have been better the, the union issues. Okay. Um, it was there. It was like right there. Uh, you know, the differences between, you know, it's, this is pretty new in, in Welsh history at that time. You know, this movie takes place in what, the late 1800s, probably? Probably early. Ni- well, if he's, if he's 50. This is the Victorian era. If he's, if he's 50 in 1941. Yeah. Right, that's that's what we're kind of thinking about. Yeah, so, so late yeah, so 1800s. 1890s. So the, the union is relatively new in Welsh culture sure. and around the world. And it's very interesting. It's funny to hear, oh, that socialist nonsense. Yeah. It's like funny. Something, you know, the more things change. Right? I know, right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to do that. And they really get close. They touch on it. They dance around it. And they kind of get to it. And they do beautiful things <clears throat> with, with the cinematography after, you know, when, when they're striking and they're walking around the streets. Right. And it's a, just a beautiful, beautiful <clears throat> shot, a beautiful scene. Um, but they just, they don't, Fully get there. That itself, the rift between the, the father and the sons and the strike, that itself could have been its own two-hour movie. Exactly. Mm. And exactly. It, it could have been it could have been a really great story and really really fleshed out. And and that's the problem with this movie is they try to fit eight storylines into two hours. Just just never got and there. And some things just kind of fall by the wayside. Yeah. Like this this the dispute and everything just kind of gets resolved off camera. And you don't really all of a sudden like the guys are marching to to the um, the Morgan house and everything's cool and you don't really know there's no payoff. How it happened? There's no yeah. payoff to the Union story, really. Okay, no. so it takes place in the late 1800s. Queen Victorian era. So, yeah, so late 1800s. Queen Victoria's reign is the longest in English history, so this helps us time. Yeah, so her reign goes from 1837 to 1901. Okay, so, so we're we're probably thinking it's yeah, it's toward yeah, probably like the so last it's, it's the early, last 20 years early of the in the union time where everyone's still I mean, everyone's always yelling about socialism, but it's 
they're they're really afraid of socialism, all this union socialist right. you know, stuff. Well, one of the kind of the unique undertones of this movie too is was a little bit about what was going on in America at that time that this movie was being made. Eras, well, the you New know, Deal and all that. Yeah, right? and, exactly. and this yeah. movie was having some issues being made because there were production companies like, listen, we're headed into a war right now. Do we really want to go into this issue? And this is kind of even before George, John Ford was on. John Ford, when he hops in, he can lean into it a little easier because he had just done Grapes of Wrath, which is kind of approaching some of the similar topics of, of the workforce and, and whatnot, and employment and, and expansion and all that. But one of the one of the intricate aspects of this movie, too, though, is, is that you have Daryl Zanuck, who is a conservative, who was an anti-union guy. Yeah. Okay. And you have John Ford and Philip Dunn, who were both pioneers in getting the unions going just, just a few years prior, because now the guilds just started. So Philip Dunn was on the top of the writing guild, okay. and Ford was on the top of the directing guild. So because they had both sides represented on the issue, the issue is, first of all, both they were both able to keep each other checked and balanced right. in, the, in the narrative process. But because they're both there to pick out certain things, like there were times where Zanuck's like, all right, no, 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 that's a little bit too pro. And then they're like, all right, okay, well, this is a little too calm. This needs to be represented that. Having both sides there really added the, the element of teamwork that needed this movie to be where it was at the time. Yeah. You know, so no one threw any red flags at the, at the, at the well, stage. It, it's because I don't think this movie really takes a stance either. I think it just kind of shows, I think it kind of shows the perspective of both the mm. father and the son's. The, the benefits and even uh, Griffith, at the, when he talks about it, he says, I'm for you guys to unionize, but realize there's a lot of shit you guys have to do when you do unionize. Yeah. It's not, you can't just unionize and that's it. Like, you have a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So they, it kind of does take a measured approach to the subject. And, and that's where they didn't develop it enough to make it. Okay. You know, like, there was nothing about the responsibilities of a union. Yeah. Right? They didn't, they didn't go into the... the what's difficult about unionizing. Right. And I think that there was some artistic strategy to that. I don't think they wanted to take the next step at right. this point. You know, this yeah. isn't a movie made in the 70s here. This yeah, is, so this is yeah, yeah, this is just right on the on the precipice of the U.S. entering World War II. Right after that ends, we're going to be dealing with the whole Cold War era and all that coming up. So they, that that stuff was already brewing in the, in the underlings of it. So I, I thought that they did just enough to present okay. the issue and, and in it looking at it in a 2022 lens <laughs> um yeah we're looking at that as majorly undeveloped but i don't know that they could have developed it more at that time without it being a major distraction okay. yeah I, I don't i don't think we're we're at a a, a huge disagreement mm -hmm. on this one like i what you said about the the back and forth with the two different perspectives of the people who made a movie yeah it shows, it yeah, shines, yeah. and it's great. And it, because what they what happens is dad doesn't love what the sons are doing, and the sons doesn't they don't love what his dad's but nobody's really like the despicable heel, right? Right, yeah. You're getting yeah. you're getting the balance. We're getting it within a family. Except for Mr. Parry. Yeah. Mm. Except for Mr. Yep. Parry. That's not nose freak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that like they're just a mutant of a person. Yeah. <laughs> I will say too though, I thought they did a nice job of showing how the workforce can evolve for better or for worse, though, because right after they go into the union stuff, now they're getting into a time period where there are not enough jobs and too many workers. And you have the guys as they close the gate, which yeah. is a great shot. Yeah, yeah, great shot. No work for you now at this point. So now that the the work the workplace is now shifting, and then we get toward the end of the movie 
where the best guys are the highest paid guys and they're and being they discharged. Because, yeah. yeah. It's because, hey, listen, you're the, it's great that you're this good, but I have these little kids working here who are working for nothing. Yeah. And, you know, being a great coal miner, we'll take the, the young. And that's, I mean, for those baseball fans out there, that is still literally relevant. what's going on yeah, with the baseball relevant. work stoppage right yeah. now is, is that owners are saying, I'm not going to pay the, the middle-aged veterans who are making X amount of dollars for arbitration. I'm just going to bring in young studs who are making league minimum. We'll take our chances with the young guys. We'll develop them where we will. And then when we're done with them, we'll move on to more young players. Right. And the players are going, no, we need to be protected as we yeah. go up. We need to be paid earlier and all that. So, And, and that, that uh, that's, that's always the balance of the union. And I think you've kind of convinced me a, a little bit. I still don't think it was developed to the point where... Yeah, I mean, once once you look at it through the 1941 lens, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, but in 1941, that's, I mean, we're 100 years into unionization, right? But within the industry, the movie-making industry, it's it's 10 years removed, so everyone's very sensitive. So that's where where it's tricky is, although you're portraying, (laughs) yeah, you're portraying Victorian-era coal mining... You're doing it through the medium of, of a Hollywood movie yeah. that's that's having some behind the scenes. Don't bite the hand that feeds. <laughs> that's it. That's yep, exactly play right. Ball. Play ball. I will say this about the movie in general, and you know I don't want to get too big into this comments. We get a little later on in what we're doing here, but I do think that there's an element of this movie that doesn't fully survive the era. I think it's it, it's it's just not. I mean, we're going to get to the point of this podcast where we have a little conversation about a Citizen Kane or a Maltese Falcon when we talked. Best years of our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, already mentioned that that movie was was a movie that he couldn't really recommend to everybody because of its length and because of its its age. Yeah, and I disagree with that about him with that movie. I think that movie transcends all of that. I think that's it does a, too. That's a yeah, bizarro take. Yeah, well, that was that was his take. His take was that people would be in, right off the bat intimidated by a movie from nineteen forty six. That's three. That's nearly three hours right. long. That, that, I'm that, gonna that text him about this later. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes to Hal Green as my valley, this is I can, this is a Cinetrust. I think this yes, is, yeah. I think this is a movie that is kind of you have to be a movie film lover to be able to open up your, yeah. your mental doors. To Why this don't we come over. back to this? Because okay, of, yeah, one right, of the we're, things, we're introducing a much bigger conversation. One of the things I was gonna do, and we're talking the the rankings. Trying to figure out if I would recommend this to somebody. Okay. It's All actually right. Cool. One of All right. My, so when we get a little further along, that, okay. So Sarah Allgood, who plays Mrs. Morgan, she got the uh, supporting actress nomination. What do we think of the character? What do we think of the performance? Uh, Grant, why don't you start? Uh, I thought I thought it was a um, a really well developed character. And I thought it was portrayed very very well. I think she represents that kind of strong backboned woman that you need to be in that era and that that region, you know, you're living in a coal mining town, you better be tough as nails. Mm. And, you know, especially when, you know, she raises, what, six boys? You yeah. Know, six, like, huge boys. Like, they're all, like, big. It can't be easy. And she still has, you know, a lot of humor in her, you know, still has a lot of warmth and humor in her heart, despite being a badass. And have a, yeah, have a tall task at her hand there. Yeah. I thought she counteracted uh, with Donald Crisp. Really well. As they Mr. played Morgan. together yeah, really they well. They played off each other yeah. really well. They were yeah. just different enough, but kind of had the same baseline to be working off of. Mm-hmm. I, I, I dug it with the two of them. Yeah, I thought that both the character and the portrayal were, were extremely good. Um, I think the two examples of that happened within almost, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of the movie. When at first, when she's 
screaming at all the union, the people unionizing, not yeah. to mess with her husband. Mm. She's elevated. It's a great, it's a great shot. She's up top. She's yelling. It's like everyone's it's snowing. And, yeah, yeah, everyone's kind of like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> fuck with this I'll one. I'll kill you with my bare hands. I don't want to fuck with this one. And yeah. that showed like the hardness that she could be. Sure. Um, but then a few minutes later in the movie, she's tapping. She's the floor she's, she's to talking communicate to her, son with her with, injured with, son. With Hugh. Mm, yeah, and tap tap up. It was like the hard nose and the sweetness. Um, and she's also kind of funny, like she's with, the funny. Bath, with the bathtub with the holes. It's like, yep. like they're doing the math equation. Like, well, why do you want a bathtub yeah. with a hole? Like, I didn't, so well, for all the things they didn't develop, she was kind of developed well. There, well, there's that period of time. There is there is a lot of Irish sarcasm in this movie. Yeah, John Ford's touch in it. Yeah, John Ford just pretended that they were in Ireland. Basically, what was going on? Right, and you know, yeah. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. As as someone from both uh, England and Ireland, I'm I'm okay with it. I give it the stamp of approval there. I'm the spokesperson. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's a that's a mighty that's a mighty burden to shoulder. That's okay. Now I gotta say, like one of the weaknesses of this movie in general, and Oz, you just kind of touched on it a bit, is there's there's a lack of characterization of pretty much most of, of the people in this movie. There's there's just there's a little bit missing in who are these people about and what drives them and what makes them different than each other. And that was not the case with either of the Morgans in my in my estimation. I thought I thought both of the parents were the opposite. Both they were both really well developed. You got a full feel for what they stood for, what they were about, yeah. what they were trying to instill in their in their sons not only as people but as workers. And as family, and I thought Sarah Allgood really added a little bit more to that character because when we see that as a general theme throughout, that can be put on a script problem. Sure. You know, and and listen, there are some some issues they had in cramming this this massive novel into, oh, into two her, hours. Yeah. It's supposed to be four hour movie. It's a two hour movie that can get dicey. But I thought that that she stood out as someone who really helped you get to know her character. That was missing a little bit with Bronwyn. I thought that was missing a little bit with with Angrid. And while I love the Annalee and Maureen O'Hara uh, performances, those characters weren't fully fleshed out. And other yeah. than you know, maybe the, the, the pastor was fleshed out pretty decently. I thought maybe, but I thought it was best in both the Morgans. I am one hundred percent with you, specifically on uh, on Sarah Algood. Mm. Uh, Beth Morgan. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. Can I talk about my boy Barry Fitzgerald for a second? Yeah. Sure, do it. Father Fitzgibbons, right? Smack in the middle of this thing, <laughs> loving it. Going to Drink, uh, drinking out of a hat, drinking out of a hat, <laughs> going to uh, going with the blind boxer, beat up the teacher for. Uh, what? For the line, what? Oh, well, that it was. That's something that really fucked me up too, because like he wasn't blind then. Yeah, he lost his sight as it went. I but, guess no, but like he he had his vision, and then all of a sudden, at the very end, he was completely blind. Yeah, I, like, there was no, I, I, that, that that was just like, wait, was he blind the whole time? I, like, I had to like, when I first watched, I'm like, was he blind the whole time? Is he blind now? Like, what? The yeah, fuck I don't know. Another, time? but probably another John Fordism there, where he's um, someone who's losing his sight himself. So he, by the end of his career, he was wearing an eye patch because one of his eyes were completely gone. So I think maybe he just, I think, I think there were a lot of aspects of this movie that he that he took so personally. That he had to kind of put in little pieces of I think that's of a, him in there. Um, the, the, the more you tell me this stuff, the more I think it's a mistake because I feel like it gets a, it gets in the way of a movie. It, maybe, yeah. I yeah, feel like maybe. It's, it's it's become so personal to him that it's it's become 
a little bit distracting. Yeah, I mean, when we aren't fully explained as to why the guy's blind, though. Because I didn't, I didn't realize, I, I, what I just, to be completely honest with you, I just figured he was blind early on, I didn't notice, you know? Yeah. Because by the end, they make it more, you know, more clear when he's going down into, into the coal mines there, but... Well, um, I know it's the second time around where he's... Well, Barry Fitzgerald's his character's name is uh, Safartha. Safartha. Yeah, Safartha. Safartha. And he says, like, oh, you took too many hits on the ring, now you're blind. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. It's, like, I mean, how it's many, not like, uncommon it's like, for a boxer to be No, but sure, but, like, but that's the, but the, the thing, we're like, like, how many years, how many fights have, has he had since... He beat up the teacher to now. The passage of time in this movie is it's like, very it's, curious. It's really it's very curious. Oh, it's it very makes weird. no sense. It yeah, no sense. yeah. It's, it's it's very hard to feel. I mean, they don't even tell you when this exactly is, you know. And I mean, I don't know if they do in the source material or not. But you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna counteract that with like a cavalcade, where I know you know Joey R had massive issues with the passing of time, and they were throwing years out there, and it was like not all making sense. This movie took a step back and said, "Let's just not talk years. Let's not." Let's it's about the people. It's not about. Yeah. But then you, the universe starts kind of caving in on itself <laughs> when the story starts thinking about it. I guess it when does. you're, uh, you, you can kind of get away with a little bit of that when you're telling a movie based off a of memory, and it's just what's in this guy's head. Yeah. This is how yeah. he pictures himself. Yeah. I don't know if that makes it better, but that's, I guess, the explanation. That's not gonna. That's not gonna fly past Grant's desk. I don't think. I don't so. like it. <laughs> it's uh, it's that, that, out. That only goes so far. Yeah, I don't like it either. Yeah, <laughs> that only goes so. I appreciate you trying to do the. Uh, uh, here I am defending a movie I don't even you. really like. Look at you again. <laughs> <laughs> Public defender to the. Yeah, yeah, I just. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I want uh, those school scenes. Odds we already kind of touched on them a little bit here. Got love them. Out to you. Yeah, love them. Going in is my line of the movie when he goes into the school. Who is there that cannot look back and remember his first day of school? Because that is something Love it. every single person who okay. watches this movie is like, Everyone ah, relates to that. I can relate. And I think that's what part of the, the quote-unquote charm of this movie, which helps it stand the test of time. There's relatability, for oh, sure. I know. do also like how most of his memories that we're presented with from school are all pretty, I mean, they're pretty traumatic stuff. Like, it's not fun stuff here. Like, we have... Hard times. Yeah. Hard times, you're, Hard getting, times. you're getting bullied, you're getting your poor pencil box broken. That was a nice pencil box he had there. You know, those, came, those aren't easy to come by. You don't just stroll like that. That was solid wood. Yeah, yeah that's that was probably, you go to Staples. It's probably handcrafted <laughs> for him. What a yeah. jerk. But you know what? This is always hand me down from Igor. This yeah, is. Come on. This, Babor, at least Babor, Igor. Splendid. Splendid. This may be the only p the portion of the movie that actually has a payoff, though. Because. Alright, the teacher, Mr. Jonas, complete mm. asshole. Right. Fucking dick. Sure. You know, puts him on the dunch chair immediately, which, by the way, I think we need to bring the dunch chair back. It's not, that does not work. In There's no way that's happening. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about it for school. I'm talking about it for a For dunce. like the workplace? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you fuck up, you go on the dunch chair. Yeah. I don't care that you're 35 years old. Yeah, dunce them. I'll care that you have them more. Maybe you got a nice little comb to put on there. I want too. the dunch chair for 25 years and older. I like it. Yeah. Not so well, I don't want, I'm not looking to torture a 12 year old. Maybe I, even I still, at like the I grocery still, store. Like yeah. if you're just a I customer. Think, yeah. I really think they need to bring the stockade back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm I think that, I, I feel like, like you parked over the lines like this. Yeah. You get the, you, for 
Ten yes. minutes. Uh, you know what? Let's start with the dunch chair and then <laughs> well, see how that goes. And then let's eat. No! Stockade <laughs> right now. All right. Tomatoes, too? Yes. Yes. Okay. Pineapples. All right. right. Tart and feather. Bring back the Well, no, that's, that's awful. No. I wouldn't. <laughs> see how this stuff, the snowball stuff. You know, uh, let's start with BPC. The next person to fuck up goes on the dunch chair. We've already done that. I mean, we, 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 listen, to our, listen to our mutiny in the valley. Yeah, but anyway, I, I, listen, there, there is a BPC penalty box. I, there it is. Yeah. I, I digress. <laughs> so the, the teacher, Mr. Jones, complete dick, gets it back. He gets it back, right? In he front gets, of he gets his There's a payoff to that. Even the bully, who also has a great name, um, Dunch Chair. <laughs> Dunch Chair. Yeah, why don't you get in that chair for a while? Mervin. Right, <laughs> Mervin is his Mervin. name. So he picks on, he breaks the, he breaks the pencil case, and then they fight, and Mervin gets his ass kicked, and then Mervin kind of helps him out. Well, Mervin, by the way, fans. Mervin is a candidate for our new award of just hijacking the movie and taking taking control out of nowhere, where he's just swinging haymakers, yeah. you know, shirtless haymakers, and then and then d- just refuses to to bend over yeah. on the back. But and then doing he's, the, when, respect was born. When Hugh was yes. getting the cane, Mervin's like, "Here, bite this. This helps," kind of thing. Yeah, like, right. you, you it, know, was, so it was Mervin and the girl. Yeah, so they, they kind of, there's all right. So they, you know, the the bully. I mean, I'm sure who's had a hard life as well. They kind of like come together towards the end. Yeah, yeah and like, Merv, there's Merv, a respect there. Yeah, yeah. Even, though, even, though about, were, even though they were shirtless boxing, <laughs> while the kids looked like paper cutouts. Conan O'Brien, yeah. uh, the and fist like, in the and, air, and the kids looked like paper cutouts, <laughs> like just forming a circle with their hand, holding hands. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, Mervin got about twenty seconds of screen time and made the absolute most of it. Mervin and his uh, his little buddy that tried to mailbox um, Bells. <laughs> his name is yep. Mr. Bells. Schoolyard fighting. We had good working punches. We had some good stuff, selling. Man. Good stuff. Great. Selling. I like the. It was, um, good, it was a good fight. I like the punch to the face and the forward fall. Yeah. Our boy Hugh did a nice uh, a nice knocked out approach. Does a great job selling it up the hill. That was, like, that was, like, that was like when Michael B. Jordan got knocked out in Creed. <laughs> That's funny. I always say that. I, I wrote down, did we need a, a training montage in this movie? Which, I, no, I, I would have loved to have seen Hugh chasing a chicken around. With Dai Bondo in the background yelling at By the way, Dai Bondo might be one of the best names ever. The only Welsh actor in the movie. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, Dai Bondo sounds like a Star Wars character. It's a great name. It's, it's amazing. It's perfect. Yeah, Hugh, Hugh's forward fall there reminded me of the, the, the guy who sells the Stone Cold Stunner by falling forward. You know, everyone does the jump backwards. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to do the fall forward That's right. and stand out a little. I know, uh, Oz, you're very upset with my um, Stone Cold Bret Hart. Yeah, you messed here. up the it's not, yes. it was, it was There was not, a correction in place last not, week. I didn't hear it yet. Yes, but uh, you, can, uh, you can give me, this is your two seconds to just kind of say how I'm That's a That was a fuck up. Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't need to do that. You should know better. Wasn't it? I should. I should. Because it's a great match. It's an all-time match. It's an all-time match. It's, yeah. an all-time it's a match. submission match, Talk not about, not an Iron Man match. Talk about Terrible. selling. Yes. That's, yes. You know, There's all. Geez, all was that the one selling. where Park got screwed? No. Okay. No. That was an Iron Man match. Am I not wrong? No. No. Well, I'll let it that out. Oh boy. <laughs> No. The Hart and Michael's Iron Man match was WrestleMania. Was it WrestleMania? Yeah. Okay. Survivor and the screw job was the screw job, right? The Austin right. with the blood on right. his face. That was Mania, right? Was Mania. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that was the classic with the blood on That's his face. That's a submission match. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. With Dai Bondo as the uh, as the ref. No, I was kidding. I will say though about Hugh's experiences in school and how most of them were negative. Even his two buddies coming to beat up the teacher—that's not exactly a positive memory for him. He was—he told them not to do it. He was really embarrassed and ashamed in there. It was a little bit of comedic relief for the audience, but 
for a kid, that's a pretty traumatic thing. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's bad. So all we really saw out of him with the school was a lot of negative stuff other than him getting the good grades at the end, but there's no real memories tied to that, which kind of plays into his ultimate decision, which is one of the major arcs of this movie is him saying, no, I'm going to stay at the coal mines. Yeah. And school, though he was good at it, it was not something that was a positive experience for him in life. Now, there's a number of reasons why he chose to stay in the coal mines and stay in the town and not leave the town. But that has to play into a little little bit of evidence of what's to come now. Yeah, it was interesting. That's definitely a a turning point for the plot. I mean, he graduated um, school at like 10 years old, like Doogie Howser, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was either 10 or 17. We don't really know. He could have one of those like Gary Coleman diseases where he just doesn't grow, you know? (laughs) It just stays young forever, you know? (laughs) What's the... uh, who was the guy on MTV with the um, Andy Milanakis? Or... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Andy yeah. Milanakis. Yeah, it could be an Andy Milanakis situation. Too. But going back to yeah. Die Bondo, going beating up the teacher, is that just unreliable narration that I said in the, from the start? Like maybe like they came in and just like, kind of would like... Would that happen in a school ever? No. I don't know. Yeah. I, that I know that we're sounds deep, like... Uh, we're getting into the... Wo- that's nitpick zone there. Yeah, 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 yeah we're getting into the... Zai Bondo and, and Safartha can, can do no wrong. This is where now, again, the roller coaster. Now I'm down on the movie because I love the school scene and then he comes back. He's like, all right, I'm not doing anything with school, which mm-hmm. is fine. I don't have much of a problem with that. But when he gets back, that's when his brother dies. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's a baby from his, his sister-in-law. It's like, what? when did all this happen? Like, mm-hmm. it just... It, Boom, 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 kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passing time is a, is, yeah. A, is an issue within this one for sure. They don't handle milestones very well. <laughs> I do think though that that him choosing to stay there is a crucial for the themes and the and the plots of this movie. Well, the, I mean, it, yeah, it's a pivotal point in his life. It's, yeah, and when I take in this movie, you know, it's it's clear to me that the top thing he's going for here is just the disintegration of the family and the community unit. The brothers are now. Going to all sorts of ends of the world here. They're all over from America. They're in New Zealand. We get they're that wonderful everywhere. scene with the map, the marker, yeah. yeah, about his mother being the North Star that they're all looking back at, right. and um, oh, just such a cool scene. It's great. You know, um, it's it's so, so heartbreaking for the mother too. Yeah, and at that time, well, immigration was uh, was something that was no stranger or nothing distant to anyone around yeah. that part of, part of the world. Leaving the homeland like that. That's a form of, of a death because yeah. you can't just hop on Aer Lingus and come right back right, exactly. for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. You know, most of these people did not see their family members You'll ever again. Yeah. Like it was gone. Yeah. You know, you're going to, to, to South Africa. You're headed to Canada. You're headed to New York. What, yeah. This mom is sitting back in the home, and maybe there'll be a situation where you come and visit years down the maybe. line. Probably not. You'll though. get a letter. So that's okay, why so you have, like, when they decide to go, they, you know, they take out the Bible and they have a little ceremony because that's like a little kind of mini form of a funeral. Yeah. And it's just something that that we're so... Um, it's, it's so beyond us. Yeah, just the yeah. technology and the travel. Really, we can't relate. You can't so, put yourselves so in it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't fully put yourselves in it. It would be like going to another planet, basically. Yeah. Like, that's what it would be like. Yeah, we had a little talk about that with the best years of our lives. Already was going off about the communication, you know, like... if. You didn't just catch the people at home. If they weren't at their house, you didn't know where they live. You're not going to see them. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's just, that's the 40s, let alone the 1800s. Exactly. And as a parent, how do you, how do you, how do you get your head around that? You know, that you, you think it's just a reality of the, of, of the, I mean, there was nothing for them there. Yeah, no, they had, they had to go. They, and had that's, to, they had to go somewhere. And that's the tragedy of the main character where he never leaves. Right. 
and he's there until he's 50 and then he decides he's after, dedicated to the family unit dedicated to the community and the family unit and the community around him dissolve right which is which is tough which is definitely very tough I would I would like to have known what happened with with him and, and Bronwyn you know they, they allude to the mother dying mm-hmm. that's probably the, that's probably the final straw for him yeah. like once she died he's yeah, like wraps her well, things yeah. in her shawl yes. and, and up. he's like alright I'm out of here but yeah, nothing happens. Seems like it was a story they wanted to tell. Yeah, but the, I mean, as far as the source community goes, they never get together and they never. Oh, it's it never just, happens, just yes. even like even like a goodbye, even like yes, yeah. you know, no, there's, it's there left, not, it's left like up that. in the air. Yeah, the, yeah. the Brahmin character itself, there was kind of, it looked like there was there was room in that third act to do something a little more with with her, and it wasn't necessarily yeah. done. But yeah, he's he was with someone who he, he being Hugh. With someone who is dedicated to his family, and dedicated to his community, and dedicated to his first love, and yeah. none of those things stood the test of time in his life as the youngest. A lot of commentary on a changing world. Again, you know, Ford putting his own perspective into this thing. You know, yeah, what, like it or not. Well, yeah, the, um, like the destruction of of the family of, unit, of the, the community. Well, yeah, the va- of the of the the physical valley around him that yeah. just became. Just ruined by all the mining. Yeah, and we don't when we see those first shots of of the beaten up and yeah. and oiled down Looks valley. Yeah, we don't fully appreciate with how beautiful the thing looks later on as we go. They did a great job, and this kind of comes full circle to the end of showing the the brutality of the coal mining industry between how it looks, the father dying, the all the accidents, all that all that stuff. I thought they did a great job yeah. completing. That's portion portion of the story. Oh yeah, yeah, they 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 showed how gnarly this whole thing was, and Not, it really was the only way this could end, right? Gwillem dying in the in the cult. Man, another amazing scene. Just mm-hmm. that mine shaft coming up at the end there. First of all, yeah. coming up empty. Mm-hmm. Then them kind of going into it, going down. You have Walter Pigeon going down. You get the boxer going in, and Hugh going in, and they go down, find him, and then then coming up that last time. Just a great way to because it moves yeah. fast when he gets back from school. When he decides that I'm not home back, it does. It moves, it's, yeah. it's a brisk to the end. Yeah, and while I would agree with you guys that there's elements of the third act that leaves some characters within this movie and some elements of this movie untold and and a bit blank. I really, really like the third act of this. Like, it it yeah. it moves packs up the emotionality for you where there's kind of some times in the early parts of this movie where it drags a little bit and it delivers in the end and you know, right up until the final line which is my line of the movie here I Do guess it. we're here Do it up. and we see the image of his dad being brought up in the tale then we get that yeah. little kind of half flashback half flash forward maybe because you see the the three boys coming home to the valley yeah i think it was a flashback yeah, but it, yeah, or it could be maybe one of those afterlife things too, where maybe yeah. they're all meeting together well, once again, even though they possibly won't. This line from the narrator in the background Men like my father cannot die. They are with me still, real in memory as they were in flesh, loving and beloved forever. How green was my valley then? So just, you know. That's a that's the Emotional classic. Stuff. Yeah, that that's I believe is that on AFI's top one hundred or at least nominated for, for the lines? quotes. Is it? Yeah. I, I think it is. It should be. Yeah. It's, um, it's 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 a it's a great line. It was gets me every time. It it doesn't matter yeah. how much I'm in and out of watching the movie or paying attention to it. That line is, it hits you with that final. That line was absolutely in the running for my uh, 
But, yeah. And it probably first watched that was probably it's a great line. line. Yeah, and yeah. it ties back into the to the mom being the star that shines over the map mm -hmm. to where it's even though that she's yeah. not there with them or at their side, her in the sky looking over is enough. Whether whether she's living because being at home in Ireland is as good as being dead as far as travel went back then. Right. So um, whether their dad is not with them in in, in the flash, but he's with them in spirit, and she's not with them. That's what she's in the homeland back in there. Back in it's like all I got to do is look yeah. up. Right? Yeah, 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 and, and they're there. You know, as real as real I'm as flashes, they will be beloved forever. It's great, great, great stuff. So, guys, we have anything else with this with this plot here? We want to hit. I think we hit a lot leading into it. Are we uh, ready to, to move on? I think we are. Yeah, I'm 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 good. Yeah, if there's little gaps for it, we can hit them as we go through the awards or whatnot. For sure. Let's crawl out of the valley for a moment and head to the nitpick zone. A very dangerous, combative area here at BPC. Uh -oh. Are we ready here? Do we have? Uh, I'm I'm a little yeah. light with my. I'm very, I don't have any. Yeah, I'm I'm. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I didn't don't have any. Right no, now. but like I didn't. Interesting. No, it's it's not because I don't think this movie's perfect. It's just yeah. when it's a movie that I'm really familiar with, I can it's rattle off a bunch. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching a movie for the first time. I'm not thinking of all the uh, the nickel and dime bullshit yeah. things. So. Well, I have a bunch. So okay, far. great. I love, there's I'm, always someone who's got it. I'm, I'm yeah. a little light. It's funny. Two of my nitpicks are from two of my favorite scenes of the movie. So, what is the diagnosis of Hugh's injury? Yeah, that's a good one. Did he break his <laughs> leg? Did he have a brain injury? Did he have a spinal cord injury? The doctor did not help. Gangry? He just came in there and yelled at everyone. And like coughed a lot. And then all of a sudden... Terrible was, bedside manner. Bedside manner was horrible. Yep. And then all of a sudden, he's better through stretching and, and prayer. Because a fracture does not make sense. Because everyone would be like, hey. Spiritual was... motivation. Uh, prayer makes it sound like he was just like sprinkling holy okay, water on was fine. The priest inspired him yeah. but, but from, from developing was, a relationship was, with him, not just from reading Bible passages. Like, Was the frostbite so bad on his legs that it was they were... No, it was spring. The birds came in the window. No, 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 no. When he got injured, yeah. it was no, I know. But he, so he made it to spring. So I don't think frostbite, went, you know, lasts for four months. I don't know. It yeah. had to be a spinal cord injury. It must have been right, or, or somehow corrected itself with the brain because it couldn't have been a fracture. Could he have lost oxygen yeah. to the brain? That would have kind of been a guess there. Do you know or who doesn't know? Me or the doctor in this movie. <laughs> That's or, or anybody, or anyone else, because they, maybe it's maybe it's uh, in the source they, material. They, maybe it's, they yes. wouldn't they wouldn't have been worried about a fracture because I don't think some sort of hypothermia would affect the walking mobility of the no. legs. Or anything. it's a, it's a it doesn't make sense. It would have to be loss it of doesn't oxygen. Make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the fits. Yeah. Um, Wait, uh, let me let me let me look this up. If there are any uh, orthopedic surgeons out there listening. Or, or neurosurgeon. While, while you're looking that up, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up something that you're gonna yell at me about again. Go ahead. Okay. Um, John Ford, when he was younger, had a similar <laughs> experience where he was he was uh, bed Is that true? Bedridden for for like a two year period. What they I don't, I don't think with? that the I don't think the accident or the injury mm -hmm. was the same, but it was he was bedridden for an extended period of time where he really got into self-reflection and reading and one of the books that he read the most during that was Treasure Island which they kind of show in mm -hmm. in that there the other one is Ivanhoe which I cover with Zeta, <laughs> Zeta Short on the 300 Passions podcast so go check out Ivanhoe yeah not a good movie but uh, apparently a good piece of, of literature is uh, John Ford was yeah, no, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll never know the answer to this yeah no it, it's, it's, <laughs> we, it's we great can, great nitpick all right, can I I do my, we can just say aliens did it can yes, I do my next one great nitpick yes. in the school Mm -hmm. 
are they not all similar ages? Because Mervin is like three feet taller than him, has Mervin a mustache. Yeah. So Mervin must have been a ba- basketball transfer. I will say those smaller, smaller towns often go K through eight or K through twelve, even. You know, I know that like a lot of pilgrim towns when when they're headed over to the New World, you know, you were you were like, in the like little house in the little house in the prairie, they're, they're like first grade through twelfth grade, they're all in the same classroom. So if, if it's K through twelve, potentially that could well that would work, but if it's You don't think it could be like a beefy eighth grader? No, he, he was he was twice the It's kid's probably size. in high school. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, that's a high school stuff. Yeah, sometimes like an eighth grader could be, you know, working in the coals, he could be like a uh, like a little bit of a hoss, you know? Does that make you grow a mustache? Eighth grade. I mean, uh, you know, maybe, maybe maybe the coal dust makes the mustache more pronounced. He looked. He looked. <laughs> well, way... it completely stumped. The other guy's broke entirely. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the classrooms had mixed grades back then. He just looked way older to me. We didn't have no. kindergartners in the class though, too. So maybe that was like a high school group. Interesting question. Though. Uh, That's I, fair. I'm, I'm looking. Uh, Mervin's I'm, old. I'm looking up. I'm looking up Mervin, the guy, the actor who plays Mervin. Okay, fact check. I want to see how old he was. He was born in 1925. Okay. So um, he was six, 16. Okay. 15, 16, which is like ninth grade. Mm. We're pretty close there. So my kind of more funny one with the character is, while Hugh's drawing this wonderful map of all his brothers, I, he has just got, I hope he's not routing the family reunion tour here because he goes from Ireland Ooh, I like this. to New York to South Africa. Yeah. Up to Canada, Canada, and they don't even show him go to New Zealand. And I was waiting for him to be like, oh, all right, buddy, how are you going to get to New Zealand from there, huh? <laughs> I mean, the route would be, I think they were trying to go for like a star kind of thing, and when New Zealand didn't work, they just zoom, boop, boop, yeah. put the camera away. But we, we would go, we would probably go to Canada, New York, Cape Town, New Zealand, right? That's why I would, well, it, it doesn't, isn't it easier to go east? Isn't it easier to go west? I mean, if you're going by boat. Yeah, I don't know. Isn't it quicker? I know Cape Town's based on my mutiny in the Valley knowledge. I know Cape Town's not fun. <laughs> you know that there's a big well, issues. Well, it's Cape, Cape, Cape of Good Hope and all that. Yeah, that, that's not fun. Yeah, yeah. Just he picked an interesting order to do his little his little uh, his tra- his Indiana Jones travel. I have a separate map. Yeah, maybe, maybe that scholarship was bullshit. You <laughs> <laughs> passed the kindergarten yeah, class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, a 16 year old is in sixth grade with Mervin, <laughs> so maybe the I still, I still think he was a basketball recruit that yeah, they lied about possible. his age. Well, he sucked. Like he wasn't. Did yeah. he look terribly athletic? Oh, whatever. We're past. So, <laughs> Wales rugby. While we're on the map, I have a, I have a map one. Yeah. So very clearly on this map, they have shaded Alaska and America the same color. I've studied this. Oh, it is the same color. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Alaska did not become a state until 1959, which is okay, but it did not become a territory until 1912. Okay. Meaning, nailed it. They used a, a 1941 yeah. map. Yeah, that is Alaska. There's it Russia doesn't make sense because it, the the yeah. death of of Queen Victoria was 1901. Alaska becomes a territory in 1912. Not possible. That, that my is. friend, is an expert level nitpick right you. there. This well, was wow. this movie was pre Stewart's folly, <laughs> and now. The map from post Stewart's Folly. Well done. They need, you know, and these are nitpicks, so it's not devastating to the movie, but you got to pay attention to detail. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's it. And so that, that'll lead right into my shallow uh, okay, good. nitpick. Bring up the dad's body on the um, on the elevator. <laughs> yeah, where is this going? My dude's clearly breathing. 
Like, he's so <laughs> obviously breathing on the screen. Like, come on, bro. You can't suck it in for a few... I mean, this is... It's a, it's a, it's a quick shot, man. Suck it in. Uh, that's before, like, they realized, oh, you can see breathing on film. <laughs> <laughs> Bad, dead acting. Yeah. Bad, dead acting. Well, we've already established that the, uh, the, the town doctor can't diagnose some kind of leg injury, so is he going to save someone's life? No. No way. <laughs> but, I mean, you don't think there's any... The filmmakers were going for... He was dead on that. Oh, opening, he did. Right? Yeah. It wasn't like he, he wasn't did. like he was dying in there because they would have been they would have been trying to rush or like yeah, to no, do he's, something. He's yeah, he was dead. dead. So the oh. brief, that's bad job, bad dead act. Okay. Oh, okay. Bad dead okay. side, they they probably only had one take with that. Is my guess. Well, doesn't Ford Ford only did like three takes? Yeah. He never did. He more was than a quick. Yes, he was a he was a we do two and we're out. And but he's all he was also like a like a dictator, which is a weird combo. You know, like that's it's like weird. Clint Eastwood was is also known for doing. A probably, but he's very actor friendly. When but very yeah. active friendly. So but the but the two takes and out he probably got from Ford. Yeah. You know, both in the Western genre sure. and whatnot. But he's an active friendly guy, would not demanding at all. Like so that, where Ford was, yeah, he ran a tight ship. Okay. With so one of the one of the things they said about his personality was is that he was a curmudgeon and he was grouchy all the time. And but he was a very kind of like emotional, sentimental guy on the inside who didn't know how to express himself. Sure. So he would do it through his art. And he wouldn't be able to communicate with people right. throughout the process. And one of the things that I heard just from watching like one little documentary on the movie, a few of the actors said this is, is they, they don't fully remember his directorial style or, or how he directed them. There was a lot of like, he just wanted it to be a certain way. He wouldn't tell you what to do, but you just kind of knew. So he was kind of yeah. hands-off in a way? It, it, um, well, I don't think he was hands-off, yeah. but he wasn't, he wasn't read it this way. Okay. Do the line this way. And a million takes. Like a Kubrick who does like 200 yeah. takes like until you, you know. It was like, this is face. where I want you to get. It's got to be this. Yeah. yeah, and one of the things that, that, um, that Annalise said is that they, right before the scene, he'd pull her aside and just start talking to her about like nothing. Just like other things and what that right, and then go say how the scene is going to be, and then go right in. And she would do something on the scene that she hadn't practiced, and it was like, where did that come from? But it was exactly what he, he like, wanted. He like knew how to unlock it. it yeah, there yeah. was a weird, and they they described him as like a psychologist. So he had this weird like hypnosis. He would yeah. put he would put these these yeah. people through. That's really interesting, and it worked. Yeah, it's a, it, an interesting thing. So a, a fascinating director. I definitely want to check out more of his movies and little. little That's a good catch. Today. I didn't catch that. Yeah, but good catch. Was good catch. was was yeah. clearly breathing. Good yeah. catch. Yeah. Uh, any other nip experience? Yeah, I have a few more. No, I have a few oh, more. Keep them coming. Let's right, go. So this is what we're doing. This is what we're here. We're in the zone. Out of nowhere in this movie, Eivor gets invited to sing for the queen. Yeah. What? Yeah. Grant's going to kill me. What? what? Don't tell me like Tom Ford. Yeah. Like, Tom Ford was invited to sing for the queen once. Get the fuck There's out of here. There's more John Ford I don't give a shit. Yeah. And, I don't give a shit and, anymore. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyway because we're here. Now, why, does, why does he just make an autobiography? What? Well, I mean, I think he was gonna, and then this movie fell in his lap, and go, oh, I'll just turn this into my autobiography. Um, I, again, I don't know exactly what the source material was. I'm sure that that was in it. But what the, by doing God Saves the Queen in there was a little bit of a, um, a peacemaking effort by Ford, who fought with the Irish forces and the Irish independence and was notably very, up until that point in his career, was notably very anti-Great Britain. He, oh, was a, he was an anti-Great Britain guy. He was known for that. He wouldn't cast English people in his movies sometimes. It was like a whole big thing. But now he's going to 
go to World War II and the English are going to be his allies against Nazi Germany. So this was like a little bit of a peace offering. Branch. But putting God, yeah, like I God like saves that. the Queen in a John Ford movie was like, at that time, was like, that was a big deal. It's like, oh, like, whoa, what's this? That's so, not a yeah. bad answer. This was one of the points of the movie where it became like dangerously close to where this is a musical and it's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the worst movies ever. Lot of singing. The singing is well fine, sing. but they didn't do the 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 plot points through singing, so it's okay. But this scene and all the this. singing was completely inaudible too. Yeah. Like I mean, it was, it was, in, it was, it was in, in Welsh. Welsh right? It was in Welsh. Yeah. yeah so I don't it was know. A different yeah. language. So it, you can't. I think a musical. The the singing is in the foreground where it's like in your face. It's right? okay. It was just, fine. They're just like whistling that's just, while they work. In that, the background. All right. So you've given me a little explanation okay. within the plot that made absolutely no sense. No, I think that's one of those 1940s viewers you'd know. You know what I'm saying? You'd know, you'd know at the time, and 100 years later, no one gives a shit. I have two more on I actually, I actually just thought of one. Oh, good. Oh, go all right, so the guys, they sing on the way home. Mm -hmm. all, all the mine workers, they sing on the way home. I like that. When they, when they sing, like, there's like different harmonies, and there's, and there's people that are singing underneath the main melody. They, they just know like what part you're going to take. Yeah, uh, like they, like, with, like, do, do, I, like how often do these guys like rehearse? If in the you're mines? that good, get out of the coal mines. Well, I guess that's why they say they're singing yeah. for the start queen. Uh, it's just like so. It's like uh, Evo, you take the low harmony <laughs> and you you sing the melody while while we go and we do we sing the reprise. So uh, what? How I'm gonna answer this one is just I'm, I'm gonna go the always sunny route here with this. Is that there's a, there's like a, one of the episodes like. They like blow up a building or something, and the next cut is them just sitting in the bar, like singing "More Than Words" by Extreme, like with yeah. all the different harmonies. They're like, "More Than," and like, no, little, little high, enough, little low, little. Like, like, and like one of the jokes that they said with that was is that there's just like even with them filming and writing the shows, like there's so much dead time that they're literally just they sit there and they'll like dick around singing songs in different That's harmonies so and just picking each other apart. So maybe these guys are just have a long walk home, and one day they were just like, ah. You know what? Let's just sing Welsh songs. You're like, oh, Dan Harmony's. Ah, you're you're yeah, you're a little pitchy. You're a little pitchy. Yeah, bring it down. Bring it in. You're more of an alto. I picture there's like a Simon Cowell walking along there, being like, no, no, cruise ship karaoke. And also, they sing very well for people that un undoubtedly have black lung. Like, there's <laughs> <laughs> like they they are working in mines. Yeah. How yes. they like they can really wow. hold the note for people that just they won't be able to breathe. That's amazing. Yeah. No, you touched on my my. That's one of them. one of my the <laughs> major one. Have the I black have, lung. No, I have one? like the singing stuff. How good okay, they are. How, how together That's they great. are. And then a last minor one. We I, I almost spoke of that before, but that kid, Mister Bell's, who's the lackey of Mervin, when they push Hugh over. We call it the mailbox, mailbox right? right. Yeah. Benching was what I knew it as. But yeah, okay, we yeah. horrible form. Like it didn't even. The, the, I go back and watch it. Mm. Like the he was, kid was too spaced too out, too spaced out. Yeah. Get up, get in, get a full back. Yeah. That's it. But poor, poor mailbox by the bullies. But a great sell job by, uh, by great sell. It's all in the selling. selling. See, it's all, all in the selling. It's always exactly in the right. selling. And that's it. Okay, is that it for our nitpick zone? It's time for Twitter questions. We have the good people of Film Twitter. Kick it in, and we have another another solid week here. We had a bunch of love bunch it. of reactions. Love it, love it here with this. Yes, great, indeed. We'll start with uh, Adam from One Thousand and One by One, and Adam says, "How much Welsh singing is too much Welsh singing, and did the movie find that limit of tolerable Welsh singing?" I think they just snuck in under the gun. It was just tolerable. 
It was it was it was it was like it was, teetering. It was it was yeah. It was, it was teetering it, on indulgent. It was testing the limits yeah. of of tolerable, like a yeah. like a raptor in an a, in an electric fence. It was testing yeah. for weaknesses. Yeah. And then the... One more drip of Welsh singing would have tipped the scales. Yeah, yeah it came yeah. very close. Yeah. It did come very close. It flirting, was getting... with, flirting with disaster. Yeah, it was it was approaching my nerves. I'll put it that way. It was approaching my nerves. Gabe Warren from Alternate Oscars, he says, does Roddy McDowell give one of the greatest child performances of all time? Yes. Um, I think I, yeah. I think so. I mean, I can't really rattle off a bunch like off the top of my head, but I think for what's asked of him, and I think the time period, time period is, is a factor. We got to consider how bad this movie would have been if that was not a good It wouldn't have worked. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. So I, I think when you weigh it in that way... I think it was a great performance. Yeah, it was a great performance. It was it was best in its restraint and subtleties also. You know, yeah. where he, he had to do a lot of facial reactions. And that could go weird with communicating communicating with, with a kid to yeah. do, doing that. I think the best way to do this is let's think about the, the child acting in the movies you've covered at this point. Because we're, we're a long uh, way through, right? The, the kid who played Arful Dodger was really good. Oh, Jack Wild, yeah, who was yeah. up for up for an award. Yeah, yeah. that that's uh, for sure. And I, I couldn't listen, help but think in watching I this. I don't like Oliver. I, think I really, really hate great. that movie. So. Yeah, but he was that was a great performance. <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't help but thinking if you could reverse time machine recast him in the Oliver role, I thought he he would have crushed yeah. the Oliver role. He, uh, uh, Roddy McDowell in this one, it would have been great. he would have been perfect for that role. I, I thought, and he also could have played Fagin because he's ageless. <laughs> I could have done the whole thing. Yeah. I, I mean, off the top of my head, great child performances. I mean, not even movies we covered, but um, Tatum O'Neill in Paper Moon is incredible. I mean, she won won the Oscar for that. I mean, she carries that whole movie as in um, like a ten year old. So that was really great. I have, I mean, Sixth Sense. Yeah, uh, Joel Osment. That's, that's definitely up there. You brought Jurassic Park, man. Right? Right? I, I think uh, Justin Henry, who played uh, the child in Kramer vs. Kramer. Oh yeah, we haven't mm -hmm. gotten to that. Yeah, movie I know we haven't gotten. Jeez, yeah, that was a good one. You know, we're get closer to the late two thousands, the two thousand tens, two thousand twenties. Child acting is a little more common for yeah, someone to crush it. You know, right. we're in the Stranger Things era now, you know, yeah. where in the 40s, man. They were just insufferable. Dude, he did a great they got They got kind of lucky that, and this and this isn't a one and outer too. He went on to have a career. Yeah, that's good. I mean, he went on to be a, a, a character actor. The, um, the, the kid in uh, Gentleman's Agreement, that was really good. Yeah, he was solid in Gentleman's Agreement. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he was for sure. But I guess the, the answer to the question is if it's, if the question was one of the best, right? Yeah. I mean that we gotta say yes to yeah, that. I think, so. Yeah, I think, I think that's, 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 that's an easy yes. Yeah. One, one of the best, yes. It's, it's, yeah. it's certainly among the best, if not the best, that we've covered up into this point. Right? For I sure. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Next we have uh, Zita Short. How do you feel about the film's portrayal of unions? We kinda already discussed that in length. Good, and not great. Yeah. I think in a, in a modern lens, yeah. there's a lot more that can be discussed yeah. and can yeah. be talked about. I think back in, in that time period, maybe they did what they could. It have wasn't made. a union movie. Right, could have been. It could, but it it could have been a great. It could have been a great union movie. Right. Would you have liked it better if it was? Yes. Well, okay. Yeah. I think I would have. hundred percent. Well, I, well, I'm, this this goes. I almost a hundred percent of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> this um, I I'm gonna touch on this when we talk about when we get to the awards. But mm -hmm. there are like four really great movies in here. If they mm -hmm. were just given the 
proper and a union movie is potentially one of them. And that was one of them. I may have liked it better, yeah, if it was done correctly. A hundred percent. Yeah. At at Britt Keegan asks, is this movie awarded as a response to Grapes of Wrath the year before? It addresses similar themes of economic struggle. Struggle. So. Okay, so that's this is an interesting talk here because the previous Oscars is John Ford winning Best Director for Grapes of Wrath right. over Hitchcock, but Hitchcock's Rebecca winning Best Picture over Grapes of Wrath. You could look at this as maybe a momentum win. Okay. Ford went in with Grapes of Wrath, wins the Best Director, then the following year comes up with a movie with kind of a similar theme, and they're like, oh, you know, we, you know, here we are, these guys are... Or around the, the cause for the war, and this is still the sentiment. sentimentality is being built up. It's going to Ford this year, even though Citizen Kane is right there. Right. And John Houston's Maltese Falcon is right there. Mm, it's, it, it's interesting. It, it's, and I think that so many times we look back and go, oh, God, how did they give it to that movie? Yeah. But if you get yourself in a little time machine and go to it and be like, well, it would, it, maybe it would have made more sense. They well, weren't going to not give it to... to yeah. That's a very very interesting question. Potentially true. That's what everyone says about Scorsese with The Departed, right? It, that's funny that you say that because that's what I'm saying. Is that could have been yeah. another little momentum win because he has Aviator and that also plays into the Eastwood yeah. because Eastwood had Mystic River and then that gets trounced by, by Lord yeah. of the Rings, which got beat by Beautiful Mind yeah. before that, which could have been a, a gladiator lead into that. But So Aviator loses to Million Dollar Baby, which is the following year after Mystic River lost to Lord of the Rings. Okay. Okay, then the next year is Departed. Right. I like to take a step back and go, hold on a second, go. <laughs> Departed is better than the other movies it was up against. Yeah. I thought Million Dollar Baby was better than the other movies right. it was up against, yeah. including The Aviator. And... Lord of the Rings over Mystic River. I mean, they were they had to they had to award it. No, I mean, well, I, guess, gonna... I, I think I think they they gave Lord of the Rings all of them because of the feat that for all three of those movies. And it made did. sense to yeah. give it to the third. We're gonna have a nice test of this with the next Tarantino movie, right? Because he says it's his last, and he's deserved a Best Picture. However, I, we don't have to go into the details. Yeah. You just look at his career; he's yeah. deserved the Best Picture. When and where, who knows? Could argue out every, every yeah. One of he's them. had interesting timing and, problems, and but is he his next? There is a world where his next one is one of his worst, and he gets it. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I, I've, right? I've been saying that for yeah. a little bit, and we don't know. We, who knows? But, it might if, be his best but I'm okay with that if it's the best movie of the year. Right. If there's other movies that deserve it over that, and they just give it to him because they're the best movie. But that's not what the Departed is. The Departed was the best movie that year. Yeah. yeah. So, well, when you do that episode, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out, right? That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> Grant, let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Would you trade? All right, so here's the trade I'm going to offer you. Ooh, right. Now, you haven't seen Grapes of Wrath, but you kind of know what it is, and I, yeah. I feel like that's one that, that you might like. Would you trade Rebecca and How Green Is My Valley as mm. Best Picture winners for Grapes of Wrath and Citizen King? Ooh. That would be the trade. I love Rebecca so much. Um, and I do love it as a best picture winner too. I mean, the only I, Hitchcock I, best picture. I do too. Uh God, it's tricky. It's very tricky. I th I think personally, I like Rebecca more than Citizen Kane. So that might be so your I, answer. I think that's my yeah, answer. That's, that's it. I, Honestly, I, that's my answer too. I, th I, I would keep. I would keep. Yeah. Rebecca and you know, like I have to rewatch um, 
grapes of wrath, to be fair. Right. But I would keep Rebecca and How Green Is My Valley. But controversial take. There it is. is yes, but I mean, man. Citizen King was just... Well, this yeah, leads I, into I our know, next I, question. I this is our next question, so let's yeah. get it out here right now. 1,001 by 1, Adam says... Love it. Where does this rank in the pantheon of Oscar blunders? So this is, uh, this is number two after 1975. Oh, Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm assuming he's... Nest over I'm assuming he's solely talking about um, Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane and not, yeah. not Maltese Falcon. I, I, I know that he's a big Maltese Falcon guy, too, so I don't think that he would yeah. consider a blunder if that had won. I don't think Maltese Falcon stood a chance in the world no. in, in 1941. No, I don't either. either. Okay. I think there's a lot of retrospective there to that. I think there's some retrospective Citizen Kane. It's, God, it's tricky. It's tricky, man. I, the more looking into it, the more I get why it won. I don't think it's a better movie than Citizen Kane. So this is a quote from Peter, Peter Bogdanovich, who is a you know, respected director. He did uh, Last Picture Show, among, among others. And uh, this is him talking about How Green Was My Valley. I can't say it possible for me to watch How Green Was My Valley the minute it starts without bursting into tears. It's beautiful, beautiful film. It's unbeatable in the terms of emotional impact. That's what he said about How Green Is My Valley. Then a little later on, he comments on the fact that Citizen beat Citizen Kane. And his, his point about Citizen Kane is it had the same amount of impact, but How Green Was My Valley was a movie of the heart and Citizen Kane was a movie of the head. Yeah. And the Oscars just now now I'm now I'm editorializing, but I kind of love that. If Oscars, you stop right there for a second, yeah. I kind of love that. The the quote. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a that's a beautiful explanation. And they're both wonderfully made movies with with grand cinematography and some yeah. and some some nice doing a lot with a little. The Oscars always tend to go for the heart over the head, though. For they sure. kind of always tend to. Yeah. So it, it makes sense within the pantheon of the Oscars. Granted, it looks real rough to have Citizen K at the number one slot in the AF. And now, <laughs> I thought when I not even. It hasn't. It's, it's, it's this hasn't aged well. It has not. It aged has well. not aged well. It is. Share some more thoughts on on Citizen Kane, I guess. When we get to the other nominees, because great, yeah, you watch and, it this and, week. Uh, I watch yeah, Maltese Falcon too. Yeah, Maltese Falcon too. Got to be discussion yeah. against this movie. Oscar blunders off the top of your head that you can think of. I mean, I know Oliver yeah. over two thousand and one is always, but that's kind of you have to talk more in the director because two thousand one wasn't nominated for picture. So right, yeah, that's a could be a blunder in itself. Um, Doctor Strange Love losing to My Fair Lady is that's pretty super bad. rough. That's, super rough. That's, that's bad. Uh, saving Private Ryan, losing Shakespeare, Shakespeare Love is a big one blunder. for me. That's a blunder. I know. Uh, I, I like I like Shakespeare yeah. in Love, and that's a blunder. Yeah, I I know people love to bring up Crash and Brokeback Mountain. That's a common one. I haven't seen Brokeback Mountain yet. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of liked Capote that year as as the best one. That's a good movie. Capote is a good one. Yeah, I mean, there's I'm sure there's some other ones that I'm not thinking of right now. Just like there's other best I mean, picture like, yeah, wedding like, movies. Yeah, covered. Like, yeah. In the Oliver episode, you can hear me defend why <laughs> the choice of Oliver for uh, best director there in that one for Cal sure. Reed. But I'm sure there's a couple that we're we're not fully remembering too. But some people with the movie we covered last week and in the best years of our lives say that that shouldn't be. It's uh, it's a wonderful life. Oh, so, that's that's. Really I actually good. just watched "It's a Wonderful Life," even though it's twenty twenty two. It's like uh, 
past Christmas right now, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's okay. I, well, I oddly watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Well, what it, was, a, it was released on like New Year's Day anyway, so. But is that no, right? No. no. That's a, seriously a, a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not a blunder verse. I don't know. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah that's it's not, not a blunder. But and that's not a knock on. That, that's yeah. way better movie than I expected it to be. Like I like I would have given Star Wars the Oscar over Annie Hall, but I don't I don't consider that a blunder. So what what won um what did Chariots of Fire win over? Indiana we, Jones. Gear. Is oh big, no, oh yeah. Indiana but Jones. But I don't but I don't think that's deserving Raiders of the Lost Star. I don't think that's deserving of an Oscar though. It's better backwards than <laughs> Chariots of Fire is forward stuff. Sure. Oh, I mean, oh. I mean, you can, you I'm can just thinking of my least favorite movies. What did Gigi yeah. win over? Um, well, so I, I'll I'll say a, one that I... <laughs> what that did Tom I, Jones beat? Oh, Cleopatra. We talked about Cleopatra. Uh, that movie's a hot mess, though. But it's not a blunder. That, right, yeah, there's reasons for that. Yeah. yeah. I'll throw out The Greatest Show on Earth. Okay, which won the year that Singing in the Rain was not nominated for Best Picture. So again, you can't fully call that a blunder. Singing in the but Rain. But High Noon was. Stop talking about Singing in the Rain. <laughs> Look, okay, okay. That's right. I'm not in the Gene. Stop. I'm in, not in the. Uh, this room the doesn't rain. have the Gene Kelly here. But, I like, I like but High Noon, High Noon, Gary Cooper. That that should have been. That one should have won mm-hmm. over over. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna sing and tap dance the rest of this episode for everybody. Yeah, I guess there's some non musical guys yeah. here, oh boy. Enough. I gotta read the room better. Compared, okay. compared to Oz, I'm I might as well be a theater major. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. what is your dad's quote about you? Dad who loves musicals. I mean, should we talk about this now or when I start ranking movies? We can do it now. Just just give your dad's quote. Just because right. it's great. So it was uh, you, uh, some people don't have the mental capacity to enjoy musicals. There it is. Really taking you down a peg. I love it. No, I usually agree with your dad, but... I do want to throw out... <laughs> Not I, this time. I do want to throw out... There was a, a, a Twitter user who responded to Adam's does, Where Does This Rank in the yeah. Pantheon of Oscar Blunders. And this is what I do. is love, There's certain movies here that even though many consider them to be how did this win... There's always fans. There's people out there who just always love them. Always fans. And, and uh, Paul Cunningham responds... The Academy called it completely right. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Then would uh, would go on to respond here. This glorious piece of cinematic poetry shows why Ford was such an influence on some of the most celebrated filmmakers in movie history, particularly Wells. And I will throw out a quote. They asked Wells. Wells yeah. They asked who influenced him. Yeah. And he said only the three greatest directors of all time. John Ford, John Ford, and John Ford. Interesting. That was Wells' quote when in Oscar season at that time. So you got to throw that out there, too. So Clint Eastwood says this is one of the movies that he is, is influenced by. Is that right? So yes. there you go. There he's with, with him yeah. with the, the yeah. takes. So, I mean, and, yeah. is this an Oscar blunder when... Orson Welles and Clint Eastwood are... It's a, it's a John Ford epic. It's hard to yeah. call it a blunder. Right. I, I, I don't think it's the right decision. Yeah. I need a, but... I need a, Clint, I, I'm sorry, I need a clean look at uh, Citizen Kane. You can get a Clint's yeah. look at Citizen Kane, too. That might be interesting. <laughs> it's like through squinty eyes <laughs> on your front porch. Yeah. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn, I, I, do need, I do need a better look at Citizen Kane. I've seen it a couple times in my life, but not... Mm. Not very recently. I don't. I don't know you if probably, I feel, probably have a different experience with it now. I don't know if I feel. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I feel ready to comment. 
Yeah, so awesome. we, me and Grant, both watch it for this. So we'll we'll talk when we get to the other nominees. But I think we're tired. We're ready to move on to the yeah. uh, to the awards here. Right? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I gotta I gotta say, like, I came into this one because we don't talk about this. I thought I was going to be in trouble. I thought I was going to be in the corner of like the only one defending this movie. So I was happy to hear that we had a, a good discourse of yeah, positives no, and negatives. There, and... there are a lot, a lot of good things to say about this movie, but there are also some areas where I have a, a massive issue. Yeah, so that's, uh, let's get into it all now. This is what we do here in the BPC Awards. But we all start MVP. So uh, we'll go, uh, Oz, why don't you get in the mix here for MVP? Uh, I gave it to Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell, that, kid. Yeah. Now I'm going to be repetitive. This movie falls apart if this performance is bad. Yeah, I agree. With, yeah. And not even bet if this performance is not very good, this movie falls if apart. If the performance is okay, it falls apart. It falls apart. Yeah. And he, he very much cleared okay. Yeah. And uh, the problems with the Hugh character is not of Roddy McDowell. It's not no. him. It's not, yeah. he, he had nothing no. to do with yeah, the problem he, he with that did, character. He made the most out of he it. He took it, cool. ran, now is it? Sure. Yeah. Love it. Grant, MVP. Uh, my MVP is Maureen O'Hara. Hmm. I, th- I thought her character was really great. I thought she was portrayed very well, very very vulnerable and human, but she still had a spine to her. Yeah, I, I, I thought she did a very good job with what was uh, provided for her. Yeah, great choice. Loved it. Um, I went with the probably the most practical answer, in, in uh, I, I could have gone with the producer, but I, I went with John Ford on this one. Yeah. The project was potentially dead in the water. It was shelved. It probably happened at the exact right time, being that... America joins the war basically a month after its release. So if this project goes any longer, it probably doesn't get done for another four or five years. Right. He hopped in, made it happen. There were some issues there with cramming this thing into two hours and maybe some of the material was taken out of it. But I thought that he really turned this into his own. He made it his own. He, he brought his own vision to it. Sometimes the best way to do that is like a thing that's already in motion. Yeah. You kind of take it, reroute it, and get it done. And he considered it his greatest work, you know, of, of his life. And in the 70s, the Oscars uh, gave him the honorary award. And I guess that weekend they, um, they, they were doing a screening for everybody. And they asked him, you know, pick any one of your movies to do for the screening. And he picked How Green Is My Valley. So, oh, wow. um, okay. yeah. so like, John Ford MVP for this one. Now it's time for the LVP. Mm. LVP. Oz, who we got? Uh, I've bashed him a bunch of times in my nitpicks and throughout the movie. That doctor who did not diagnose <laughs> anything and just got grumpy and left. I love it. You should have your medical license taken away. I love it. Goodbye. Absolutely love it. Love the Joey R vibes. In Get that out of here. That was very Joey R. Hit the road. Grin, I'll be big. They tried to do too much. Mm-hmm. I th- like I said, they had, they had too many irons in the fire and they, and I think the movie suffered because of that. Is it a hint of cavalcade syndrome? A, a, a little bit. It's, it's way better than cavalcade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, this is, this is a movie where they, they, try to do a little bit too much and like I said before there's there are like four really good plots in this movie to be their own little thing mm. like I, I could have watched a movie about this family getting torn apart by this union in the coal mining town I, I could have watched a, the love story with with Maureen O'Hara and um, and and Pigeon I, I could have there's there, there's a bunch of things I could I could watch as its own movie and be completely satisfied. With. Mervin's uh, sports career. <laughs> yeah, Mer- Mervin's. Yeah, his, uh, his two way football yeah, player. Yeah, Mer- Mervin's hoop dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I and, and uh, 
but they, they but they all get kind of get thrown into the blender. There's a little bit that gets taken off. Yeah, and there. I think that because of that too, that the in, the individual pieces weren't properly developed as a result of that. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah. that is one of the issues. Well, so I, like, I do, would have to agree with you a little bit there. What was your LVP? Yeah. Okay, so my LVP is is going to kind of be a joint award here. I did something similar here in, in our Argo episode. I'm I'm going to carry it over to the brothers, the whole crew. Yeah, that's a good one. There is an, yeah. it, lack like of it. individual development in this movie, as you yeah. said, Grant, was a problem in the first place. It is entirely embodied within the brothers. You can't tell one from the other. You can't name one from the other. They were just like a team of goons that just they split up, and you don't know which one's left, which one didn't. Yeah. They made a choice in this movie to just not invest any time in them, and I thought it was a distracting choice. They were too big a part of the movie, and this movie was about the family unit. Exactly. And it was about the disintegration of the family unit. Maybe they were making some kind of statement there and saying that it was just more about the, the younger guy's perception of his parents, and then the middle part all kind of just disintegrated. But I, I think a better movie takes a little extra care with each of the people there, especially in such major There, There roles. is an emotional impact that's lost mm. because of the lack of the development for the brothers. Yeah. I think a little bit of that is on the Ford style, too. Okay. Because, you know, they said that he's a, like he's a, a director who is always a proponent of sparsity of words. He doesn't want the script to get too in the way. Okay. And I think that that... It's like the exact opposite of Aaron Sorkin. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is exactly right. And I think that that can hurt character development a little bit. And Definitely. And yeah. yeah. Aaron Sorkin takes kind of a beating on this. Uh, yeah, he does. That's I okay, mean, though. We're West here. Wing isn't bad. We're here for it. <laughs> it's not bad. The West Wing isn't bad. I don't think that's what he gets his beating for. I think he gets... Because yeah, no one sees it. the wave he rode after, yeah. after that. We yeah, got, we got a high right. on Next is the Participation Award. Toss a little, uh, a little love somewhere. All right. I gave a um, combination of uh, Sarah Algood, Beth Morgan, both the character and the actress. Okay. Yeah. Very close to my MVP, to be honest. I think she, she did a great job. Nominated uh, role? Yeah. Almost Maureen O'Hara as well. So okay. I had like the three that I wanted to talk yeah. about. Maureen O'Hara kind of just got like the short end, which seems sure. to be the story of her uh, career. Her, 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 yeah. Almost yeah. like yeah. I almost wanted to put her in, but, it, but it's uh, but it's uh, Beth, the the character of Beth Morgan and the portrayal by Sarah Alden. Great, great participation work. Um, mine is your boy Barry Fitzgerald. Yeah, boy. Safartha is uh, <laughs> what a name. It's it as a as a tough name. The stuff in the, in the wedding with the beginning was great. He comes, he stumbles in drunk. And he has to put the hat on when the preacher's there, and he just gets all wet. <laughs> but that was lovely. Um, and the stuff with with the boxing was great too. And then you know it shows this humanity too, how he was scared to go in the in in the pit and the and the mine shaft mm. at the end. Great line. Um, you know, calls himself a coward and all that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I thought I thought it was a really great performance. Not for this coward, but I'll hold your coat. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. great. And he just has he is such a warm way words. He's my he's mine as well. Okay. Um, and just, I love the BPC style cameo in this scene. It's because yeah. we just, it like, amazing. we raved about him so it's much. It's almost like he was way. doing it for you. Yeah. And just, he'd win his, he'd win his Oscar a few years later for going my way. And, and just that incredible, um, incredible nominated for best actor, best supporting and actor. They best changed actress, the rules. Best, yeah, supporting actress, right. best cinematographer. He's just nominated for everything. Yeah. 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 Go watch Going My Way, everybody. Go check that one out. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to. 
Cran has it has a DVR and he's gonna watch it eighteen more times till we get him to like it. Don't worry. It's not. No. <laughs> Time machine recast. So mine's from Mr. Jonas. Yes. Who is who the is teacher? Oh, the teacher. you're in the right. You're yes. in the right. You're, you picked the same character as me. So we're already moving toward it. So it's um, his the act. The character's name is uh, Reese Iffens. Okay, we're safe this week. You okay. didn't pick the same actor, but is, we have we're recasting the same character. Grant, yes. we're really clicking these days. We're clicking. And if, if you're not familiar with who he is, he was the place kicker in, in the replacements. Oh, yes. oh yeah. And yes. uh, he's a Welsh actor. He was Billy. Matt, he was Adam Sandler's brother and Little Nicky. Yeah, oh, the Welsh guy. connections. Yeah, too. I love yes. this. So he's a Welsh actor, and I, I think it's it's a small role, but I, I think he's I think he'd be kind of good as a shit heel um, love teacher. I love, love it. it. Great job. Uh, so I'm doing the Piggy same back, one. So baby. we'll wait. We'll go to we'll okay. go to you, Oz. We'll finish. So I was. Uh, I have a lot of connections with mine. Ooh. Trying to get Anthony Hopkins in this as a Welsh actor. Sure. Didn't do it, uh, <laughs> and I did something that I I don't I don't love doing. Uh, I booted Walter Pigeon. Who I oh, think wow. did a pretty good job. Yeah. Okay. Amish Linklater, who did, you know, have you guys yeah. seen Night Mass? Um, Midnight yeah, Mass. Sorry, I, I, Midnight know, Mass. I know him from, from 42. I know from 42. Totally yeah. of Midnight Mass. I had that thought. Not in a recast sense, but I'm just saying like, oh, he's getting, you know, there's there's some Midnight Mass vibes. So I don't, yeah. I don't hate Walter Pigeons, and I try to yeah. boot someone who I hate sure. usually. I don't like the... Yeah, you know, like booting out someone who did a fine job. Recast your MVP. Amish Slinglater kind of did That's everything. Great, man. I do. I like that a lot. Same age, and he kind of has all. I, like I thought about that on. Midnight Mass character while watching this yeah. too. That's yeah. that's very cool. That jumped out at me like. You'll wonder if maybe Mike Flanagan. Yeah, seen yeah, this so movie, or maybe the, the actor has, or who knows? he did the yeah. internal struggle. Completely different topics, obviously. Yeah, but like the internal struggle of the. Uh, yeah, was, yeah but the characters. Yeah, there's yeah. some parallels there yeah. with the characters. I like that a lot. I love that. Sure. Okay, so I also guess the teacher. I love this, and <laughs> I have some tie-ins here. So, if those of you who listened to BPC through December, we did our. BPC Secret Santa, where we each recommended yes. movies, and I'm the first person to say that I watched the movie that was recommended to me. Yeah, from Grant C. Right here, it's a movie I never would have watched. The sequel, right on. And I have to say that during last year's Oscar season, or, or it might have been two years ago, whenever the movie was out, I think it's like 2018 or 2019. Paddington. Yeah, a couple, yeah. A couple years ago, but there was like a lot of chirping on film Twitter that Hugh Grant should have gotten nominated for an Oscar for his role in Paddington 2. I, I agree with that. And I, because he did, he was up for BAFTA. I was like, this is insane. Like, people are losing their minds. Like, we're, this is the, this is like the problem with, with, <laughs> with Twitter and with that. And, yeah. I, and it just always stuck in the back of my mind. Every time Paddington came up, I was like, I scoffed. And in this same quote-unquote recording studio here, where we recorded the Braveheart episode... Oz, uh, your your wife Nicola. Yeah, we had uh, Brendan Gleeson came on, Paddington came up, and yep. and I did some Hugh Grant bashing in that episode. <laughs> I don't like Hugh Grant as an actor. Da 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 da. Because I, I think Sense and Sensibility might have been one of the one of the other nominees. Oh. I will say that I watched Paddington too. Grant <laughs> A it was a fantastic recommend. Yes. It was a wonderful recommend. A movie Christmas. I never would have seen, and I watched because of you. Just everything you advertised for us was right, and. Hugh Grant's performance in that movie is incredible, it's and I am great. on board yes. with he should have gotten up for an Oscar that year. It was I amazing. Before, it's an incredible heel performance, yeah. and I thought he would have crushed it in this movie as the teacher oh, in like that, that role. 
he, they kind of look a little similar in a way. A bit, yeah. I think he would have hopped right in and done a little something extra. But yes, go out watch Paddington. Hugh Grant has won me over, and I have still, and I've since the Braveheart episode watched Four Weddings and Funeral. I enjoyed that a lot. I kind of get it a little bit now. He's good, yeah, but I, he I, is, like, I, like I, I was, I withdraw. All my Q Grant. There it is. My, my forces are being pulled back. Yeah. I'm it's not going. Christmas, I'm not attacking. It's anymore. a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. So uh, and Paddington two thumbs up on the record. I'm the first Love one it. to throw the uh, to throw out there. I don't think anyone else has watched their recommends. Yeah, which well, I'm, I can't I'm not get thrilled mine. about. We're working on that. Scene of the movie. We've danced around a couple scenes here. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. We'll go. Uh, guys, we'll go. First. Yeah, I did the fight with Merwin. Um, I, I stated before that I think okay. that that's where there was actual plot development between characters. Oh, the build up too. It's just like the whole scene. I want to say like the whole twenty minute school scene, but yeah. to narrow it down, I like that. I like that fight. Yeah, okay. There was a build-up. There was a peak. There was a climax. There was the yeah. development. Great was like, yeah. They actually did everything they needed to do there. Mine is the wedding reception. Cool. The, 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 first, the, first, the first one. The first one. The first yeah, one. that's cool. Um, I think it's, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It kind of shows the light side of living in this town. It was great when, um, when Mr. Griffith showed up and everyone kind of tensed up and was on their best behavior and... He's just a regular guy that drinks beer and sings yeah. these songs. Also, no, I, I thought I thought it was a lot of fun. That kind of levity in such a bleak town. It was really it was really nice to see. Yeah, cool, love it, and gotta shout out the other wedding scene too because it's it's kind of it's hard yeah. to separate the two in my head just because they they really juxtapose such a hard each other. contrast. And just that veil, that veil up in the winds and, yeah. and blocking in the scene as she's walking away, and and then you get that long shot of Walter Pigeon up on the hill. Yeah. Kind of looking as she goes into the car. That's a great scene, how it's shot. Great shot. Right? He's kind of in the background. Not creepily either. Like, he, they, yeah. they balance it very well. And uh, supposedly, Arthur Miller, the cinematographer, went to Ford and said, you want me to get a get a, an up-close of him? No. And he goes, Hell he goes no. do not. Yeah. Because if you get it, they're going to make me use it. Yeah. Great job. I don't, job want, it, I don't want to use it. Yeah. I want him up on the hill away. Yeah. Lots of cool. It, cool works, it works with him in great the background. Call. Yeah, totally. Okay, my scene is you know it's it's going to be the, the the final scene there the the rising of the the shaft and the breathing dead body. Him with the, the breathing <laughs> dead body. I'll, I'll allow them to pick past on that, but leading that into the final quote and the the image of them up on the hill and and just that quote. There's just any time a movie can leave you with that one last little gut punch. Yeah, that makes you smile. It can, point, it can make you be like, oh, I love that movie. Even if there were some torturous moments in the first hour, you know, and that's why like, I'm like, I sure. remember loving this movie. What yeah. happened? And then you get to that last part, you're like, oh, yeah. So really, he, he delivered the final blow there really well. So that, so from the, from the shaft rising to the end of the movie, I thought that was great. But uh, yeah, honorable mention would be the would be the map scene. Did we all get our quotes? I know Ozzy uh, got yours. Right I did not. Yeah, Grant, so what was your quote here? Um, there's there's a few really great quotes. There were. Yeah. Um, this is... Um, Well-written script. Yeah, well, I, I guess, I mean, I don't know how much that's from the book. Probably a good yeah. idea. But my, my quotes is from the beginning, during the arduous narration. They're talking about dinner, and Hugh, you know, adult Hugh, says... I never met anybody whose talk was better than good food. And I love that. I love that line because, you know, when you're eating a really good meal, you just shut the you just yeah, shut the hell up and just up. eat it. Yeah. And so I, I, I thought, gave a great feel of the family unit there too, of yeah. where it was. You know, when we're at the table, we're all here together. We're gonna eat. You know, yeah. that's that old stubborn, uh, yeah, exactly. stubborn Irish, of course. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Stubborn Welsh, too, I suppose. Man, any spinoffs? Do we want Rob Zombie to remake uh, John Ford's Oh, is <laughs> My Valley? No? We were gonna do... It's a new year. I mean, the... I would love to see a boxing movie here. Okay. You know, like the, the how did the a boxer become a boxer? A spin-off boxing yeah. movie. Yeah, well, like, like, a, like a prequel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Outside right. this world. Like, and then maybe they can explain how and why he went blind. Because <laughs> they didn't the, do it in this movie. So. Yeah, that's I would love that. Let's do it. Let's get some montages. Let's get him fucking punching meat. Let's get him doing all this. Die Bondo with a vengeance. Yeah. Certainly could find a way to get could get Robert Shaw in here, I'm sure, right? It's like a countryman. Sure, what is, is I mean he could go into anything, right? <laughs> yeah, That's certainly this though. Yeah. He could definitely go into He Wales. would be the uh, the um the owner of the coal mine. I love it. I yeah, love right? that. The owner of the coal mine is the way to go. I like that a lot. Okay, so recommends. I am going to recommend to the BPC community the recent Beatles documentary, Get Back. Wow. It has absolutely nothing to do with this movie. Okay, that's all right, though. <laughs> but we have to get rid of this ridiculous BPC-sponsored oh. take Here we go. <laughs> of Paul McCartney being the fourth best Beatle. Watch it. Educate yourself. That's really directed at Kieran V. Yep. And Artie B. Okay. That's it's fair. Directed well, at both I, of you. I'll I'll take my lumps. I because can take it's, it. It's, it's, it's I, I have to watch little, it. It's getting a little ridiculous. <laughs> That's it's fair. You're right. Absurd. You're right. It's getting absurd. RDB's get off my lawn segment has not yeah. gone over well with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no pushback on that. That's not really my recommend. I'm sorry. Oh, it isn't. No, 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 but you had, you were you were owed good. that you were owed that segment though. Yeah, you just you, I, I've been upset about that for a long. time. I didn't think you were just going to take it like that. But well, no. I mean, listen. I I I have to watch it. If I if I watch it and disagree, I'll come back at you. But maybe. Maybe, maybe you have a point. It's hurting the credibility of the BPC brand. It really is. <laughs> so, you know, I've been the, the word in the streets is people don't like it. So. Yeah, Hey Jude has done a number on me with McCartney. I just that song just gets under my skin, but yeah, we'll and he it. parades it around yeah, like the one song got, out of the entire Beatles. Yeah. Library. Hey, God forbid you yeah. make a song that a billion people know. It's the yeah. parading. It's yeah. the parading. Oh, yeah. um, but anyway, all right. So okay, that's, I was looking right. at Roddy McDowell. Um, okay, I was looking at Roddy McDowell who did. Uh, you know, he ended up being in Planet of the Apes. And I was going okay, to yeah, recommend okay. the, the original Planet of the Apes, but I actually want to recommend Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's 2011. Wahlberg? James no. Franco. James okay. Franco. Okay. Um, and it's it's actually a really good That's remake. Good. Yeah. Um, well, it's like a prequel to Planet of the Apes, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't, it actually doesn't have anything to do with Roddy McDowell. Um directly other than he was in it but it's 7.5 on imdb 82 percent of rotten tomato it's a really good movie and if anyone uh likes the planet of the apes kind of theme and and the the, the movies I, I think they're awesome i love the planet of the apes kind of in general I saw the, I some saw of the, them are I, I saw the first one haven't seen any yeah other don't ones. get me wrong just in general like going back to the 60s the summer hit summer it's almost like the twilight zone where like the good is excellent yeah. and the bad is just a, a, a whiff but hey, rise of the planet of the apes from 2011 is a very good it's movie good. Yeah. all right uh, very nice grant recommend a movie that's kind of like a moment in time look at a family and the trials and tribulations that they go through. We haven't brought him up in a couple of episodes. So, Woody Allen's Radio Days. Oh, cool. Wow. Love it. And uh, I don't know if Kieran... If I've never seen even it. heard of the movie, no. Radio, oh, it, that, that, was, that was like the first Woody Allen movie that I really? saw as a kid. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. But it, yeah, it's just about him growing up in the 40s and 
um, in Brooklyn and how the radio kind of affected all their lives in different ways. It's it's a fantastic movie. Cool. I mean, I find, you know, for better or for worse, I'm drawn to some of these Woody Allen movies. I, li- I like his style movies. of directing. But I also haven't seen a lot of them. Like, yeah. a lot of this big ones I've seen. So it's kind of that, like, a little bit of an untapped area there so I can go and Listen, check them. So I'll be one of the ones I check I've, out. I've, I, think I've, I think I've earned... Um, enough credit for a free you recommend. You have. So you have indeed. Watch, watch so that radio. will go and it'll, it'll add that to my list. Watch Radio Days. I love that. That's great. Okay, so me, I wanted to really pick the right one because I, I have great respects for the themes that are generated through this movie. I, I think that there's there are big things being accomplished with this movie and it's 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 tough to, to have that regard and not nail the recommend. But I, I don't think I quite did. But I, I'm, I'm okay with my choice here. Because it's not from one of a director that I really love all that much, but it is my favorite work by him. And I know he's one, he's a director that a lot of people hold in high regard. And I wanted to pick something about the family unit and the complications of family unit and maybe the separation that might uh, occur between siblings and, and how, things, uh, how things grow from there. And uh, I picked uh, Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums. Yes. I was thinking about that one. Beautiful. It's a complicated movie. It's a funny movie. It's an interesting movie. And it's a low-key powerful movie. And I think there's a lot to be said about family in there. Can draw some connections to this movie we covered today. So I I think it is totally worth your time to go see. So I love that. Because that's my on record as being one of my favorite movies ever. Um, well, really? I did, yeah, I did not know that. Well, yeah, because yeah. when we did um, uh, 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 Annie, Annie Hall, Hall. Mm-hmm. that was my second okay. top of, of the five comedies. Um, I think it's one of my top ten movies. Of, it's definitely my favorite Wes Anderson movie, who is yeah. one of my favorite directors. Did you finish your Wes Anderson watch? No, 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 no. We, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we got fell off the trail. Yeah, just because, you know, I have to watch, like, Tom Jones and... Uh, yeah, no, that's How right. green is my valley, so it's tough to... Uh, I'm at my uh, Eastwood and, climb yeah. has gotten up to Hereafter. That's oh, you're, the next you're getting, one I gotta yeah, watch. I also about. love that you mentioned Ben Stiller because we went this far, how many hours we're into this, and we didn't mention Zoolander. That was almost my recommend. I thought about it, that too. That was almost my recommend. I thought about it, too. <laughs> I, with the black on the faces, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, with no disrespect to everything that goes on in *My Green Is My Valley*, yeah. the first thing I thought of is Ben Stiller. Yeah, with the black, with the black yeah. Who's winning the match? Who's State. State. <laughs> yeah, little John he just White cleans himself up with cotton balls. Yeah. Just throwing them out. Unbelievable. Merman. Merman, Dad. I'm really happy we found a, uh, yes, a place. Yes, we got there. I was, was going to sh- shoehorn in a participation. We did it. A la Artie yeah, we style. Did it. We did it. Well done. We did okay, it. so good good recommends. It was Royal Tenenbaums for me. Grant, Radio, Radio Days. Radio Days. Rise of the Planet Oz, of the Apes. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And we all got to go out and watch the Beatles documentary, too. I guess. Well, yeah, you and Artie. Yes, yeah. yes and Artie. Right. Grant's fine. Grant, good luck Grant getting Artie to watch that. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to the one to fives here, which is always just because, seems to be getting more and more tumultuous as we go through these things here. So um, contentious, yep. tumultuous, we'll see. We'll start with performances. And I, I will always say before we do this is I bounced around all over the place with a few of these uh, leading up to this point. And I think yeah. you know, having the conversation is when you start to form it. But we'll start with performances. Grant, you want to go first? I gave this a four. Okay. Uh, I think there are some really strong performances. There's nothing. There's nothing in here that's like, oh my god, earth-shattering performances. A lot of solid performances. You look at this movie, and there's like 
four or five performances I feel like could be nominated for, for Oscars. Mm. Not necessarily win, but I, I feel like Walter Pigeon could have been nominated. Yep. Uh, I thought Marion Hara could have been nominated. She could have been, for sure. Yeah. Um, I loved both the parents. I, I think even um, Roddy McDowell could have gotten a... Uh, could have gotten a bone. I think a little later, yeah, he would have. Give it, give it ten years, ten, fifteen years later, he would have gotten nominated. I think it was a little too early on in the Oscars For to nominate a kid. Actors, yeah. yeah, given that alone, I feel like this deserves a four. Cool, uh, us. All right, so I, I didn't know when to 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 bring this up as far as my thoughts of the movie. I'll do it now. Um, so it's less confusing when I go through the numbers. So the whole like cliche of the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that, right? This is the, I think this movie is the opposite, that the whole is the lesser of the sum of the parts. Interesting. So um, my three categories are going to have high numbers because if you take them separately, I think it makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think it's one of the... When you step back. All right, well, then, movies. yeah, you can, you can double back or, or, or yeah, get, a, get like, your you summary know, if, when if you, you get to the end of the yeah. separately, yeah, I agree. The performances are four because mm-hmm. they're fantastic. Are they, are they the top of the line with everything that it's compared against? No, but yeah, four because they in, there's no bad yeah. actor or actress in this. There's none. There's, 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 no, there's barely no, there's a no mediocre. bad performance. There's yeah. barely a mediocre one. Everyone yeah. does a great job with what they have. I, th- I yeah. agree with that. Mm-hmm. Given that a four. Nothing was like, I don't think anything stood out to the level it, of a five. So I'm going to be a little bit of a different voice here on this one. Is I'm, I'm going with a three for performances. Heretic. I don't necessarily disagree with your guys' points. And I, I think on the right day, I could maybe get talked into a four. But I just I don't think that I left this movie having any one or two performances stay with me. I, I don't I, I think that everyone was did a did a fine job and I think that if we talked to Roddy McDowell, maybe that's the one that stood the test of time the most. But everything was kind of just very regular for one of these films and it's thumbs up across the board but there's no there's nothing that impacted me as far as a performance standpoint i think that the script got in the way of performances in some areas where there's a lack of character development i think when the when the character development's a little low that's gonna that's gonna hurt the performance it's make it, it puts more of an onus and more of a burden on the characters to, to the on the actors to be great so, but I, I'm, I'm going to stick with the three on this okay. one. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How the movie shot, how it looks, what they're presenting to us on screen. Oz, why don't you go first for us? Giving this a four. I think it's, it looks beautiful. Everything about it. They made the town look great. They made the coal mining look, look brutal. Um, yeah. It's very appropriate. Yeah. Where does it uh, fall short from the five? So I hate to, I hate to do this. Um, mm-hmm. It's not fair to the movie. It's hard to give a black and white movie five. Hmm, interesting. It, it's just interesting for me because it's not going to jump out. And uh, the characters not being distinguished from each other. Maybe that has to do with the black and white, but the, the characters look the same. Yeah, if okay. Everyone, All right, so there's a little bit of... Uh, looks the same. little black and white, little black yeah, and white yeah, bias yeah, going yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, ageism here. Now, Grant, before you go, I do want to ask you a question. Because okay. I meant to ask this earlier... But I'm going to ask you here now, and you can lead it into your your rating. Because you said last week, or last the last episode, yeah. which was the um, the best years, best years, yeah, that you're a sucker for black and white cinematography. I am, and, yeah. and if following your your run on the show, that's definitely you've been you've 
been a proponent of that, and Rebecca being one of the, the key moments. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was watching this saying, ooh, I'm, I'm interested to see Grant's take on, on this as black and white cinematography. So lead into that going into it because um, the, the, yeah. we're here now on how it's shot. Sure. Um, I was going back and forth between a four and a five. I think I'm going to go back to a four this time around. I think the set, des I think the set design is great. Uh, costume design is great. I factor those in. Mm. Well, I don't factor just cinematography. I factor in the sets. And yeah, we haven't talked a lot about the set design. The, the, set, which... the set's great. Yeah, how how it just like like how we Incredible. said it felt like it did not feel like California at all. It felt like Wales. Yeah. It really did. And those coal mine scenes. I mean, that's legit, legit yeah, set. But when we talk about movies that are a five, you you, you look at scenes. You're like, you can just have free freeze frames. Of images from the movie burned into your memory. That's when I give a five. Mm. When I see, when I see, like in Best Years, with the camera panning into Fred in the um, in the bomber, right? You know, what the, the the now stripped out bomber, or, yeah, or just like, even even in yeah. like the even in like the artist where he's arguing with his shadow in mm -hmm. his in his house. Like there there are just these moments that stand out to me, and this one it was really great. It was shot really well. It just didn't have that impactful shot for me. Yeah. Interesting. I went with a five here. I, I, this is the movie that beat Citizen Kane for best cinematography. It should not have. It should yeah. not have. It no. should not have won that it award. That's a bad. That's one that's of a the, the trap, the blunder, in the, blunder. In, the, in the pantheon. Yes. That being said, it doesn't make this not a five. Because I think no, that, would that be fair. I, I think that there was a mix of all of the components here coming together to make the right kind of movie, whether it's John Ford's style of how he likes it shot with Arthur Miller's black and white style and the elite, elite set design, dude. Yeah. It's, it, my God, those coal mines. I mean, that's like, there, there's some great stuff. I mean, this is another one where the, the little village they built in Malibu would stand for years to go. We talk about the Oliver where they sure. built such a grandiose set that it stayed there for like a decade. This was another yeah. one that sat there. And, and the actors said themselves that just being on set, you just felt like you were transformed to a different place. Yeah. I think that it's up there with some of the best set designs that we've covered so far. I think the camera work is pretty damn near perfect. And and Oz, you mentioned, it's funny, you mentioned like it's hard for a black and white movie to get. I had the thought in watching this one, it goes, man, as far as black and white movies go, God, does it get much better than this, you know? And and yeah, I think that, you know, Best Years of Our Lives would be one of those answers. Yeah. There'll probably be a couple more. Rebecca is certainly another I mean, Rebecca's a brilliantly shot movie. That, yeah, that there there were a ton of scenes that stand out. To oh me, yeah, visually. so there's yeah. there's a few in there, and these are all kind of from that same period of time. And sure. I love the '40s. I really do. Like I, well, even like the third, like the third man, like how beautiful, like, yeah. how wonderful that movie yeah. looks. Yeah, this is a great decade of movies. It really is. It's it's something about the war, just intensified everyone in the industry and made them just work a little a a, a little more or a little harder or even just like. Just have a little more emotionality, and I just I love this decade in, in that we're covering last weekend. Yeah. Another minute. Yeah. Do you think you can tell that they intended to shoot this in color? If if we go back and look at it through that lens, that there's an intention for color, not that hey go go watch this again, you know, kind of right. Thing. Well, the, so the the movie they made was yeah. never intended to be in color. 
the original project yeah. was when, when right. they were going to film in Wales, it was going to be a four hour movie in Technicolor. Yeah. That was once they knew they were in California, it was never going to be in color. I still so, yeah. think they shot the lens. The John Ford version never was going to be in color. Yeah. That, uh, it, it seems like. Whether it was the intention or not that they, they shot the landscapes in the background like it was going to be in color. And where uh, Best Years of Our life, Lives shot brilliantly, that one shot based off the people more than the surroundings. It, it, tells, it tells a story. It it's tells about a story. people. This kind of has the surroundings. I got to ask you though. Did you ever feel like you were in California watching this movie? No. Oh, no, no, no. That's a that's yeah. a pretty major yeah. feat for because I complain yeah. all the time about how Californiaized yeah. all these movies are. You know, that was one of the reasons why I gave... Mutiny on the Bounty of Five uh, yeah. on the, and how it shot is because I felt like I was out at sea and that's shot on a Hollywood I, lot. I don't you know, know that's, if you yeah. shoot rolling hills with, with the desire to make them black and white though. Well, I mean, it's called How Green Is My Valley. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, in yeah, black yeah, and white. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. So I'm kind so, of knocking it on that. Five yeah, for yeah, me. I mean, they, they, I mean they, were, they were a victim of circumstances. I thought uh, they made the most of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, but, okay. So yeah, four, so you guys, five for me. Now, here we go. Themes, how the story's told. Could go different ways with this. Mm. Oz, will you go first? Yeah, you know what? I went four. You went four? Yeah, okay. I did. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went four. Because the themes are there. Mm. And are they fully developed? No, but they're, there's plenty of them and they're there. Four odds there? Four across Grant. the board. Uh, I, I gave it a three. Okay. Um, I, I, think, I think that there was there were a lot of good ideas or a lot of good themes, but it just wasn't cohesive enough. Mm. And I, that, really, that really dragged it down for me. Yeah. Okay, so for me, um, I, I already used the word elite when I described the set design. I wish I saved it for themes because I think the themes in this one are as rich and as palpable as you're going to get. And yeah. without just being forceful yeah. with we're trying to deliver themes. Like I think just the idea of the family, the family and the community unit and how time progressing is deteriorating that and if you compare that to today and where we're at today with with technologies wherever the world is they not to get on any kind of soapbox yeah. not, not trying to but just if you watch how time progresses how we get further and further away from the family union and from the community unit it's fascinating to me so i think the themes in this one are so incredibly strong and, and i think it's a movie i could watch next week and get even more out of it if, if i want to however there is a disconnect with the characterization and with the assembly of the people interacting within those themes. I can't give it a five. I, mm -hmm. I can't give it a five. Mm -hmm. I gave it a four. Yeah. yeah. I get a three. Because there are there are some storytelling issues, significant storytelling yeah. issues here. The passage of time is is confusing and not great. There's some things that are brought up that aren't finished up on. So you can't it, the movie can't fully be a five with that. Right. But I think the themes are rich enough. Okay. Where I can get past some of the some of the gaps. I'm not going to debate a four. Yeah, very yeah. relatable. Yeah, it's yeah. very relatable. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like for all of these, we're all sort of on the same one. Just one hopped on one side of the fence, mm -hmm. one hopped on the yeah. other here. So this yeah, is well like, now I'm going to bash. Let, let, can we find out how <laughs> Die Bando got blind? Why they blind? Are they blind? What happened? I'm blind. Where's yeah. that subplot? So as you ended at a, I went four four four. Fours across the board, four, four, yeah. four. Grant, you ended at a uh, four, four, three. A four, four, three, 
And I was a 3 5 4. So we went so we 12 were, 12 11 basically, right? Yeah, we were all kind of in the in a, in a similar yeah, and, mix there. One's yeah. 92, 93, 94, wherever it's mm -hmm. going to be at these days, but god, this is a tricky one. Yeah. This is a very very hard one to place. Especially I, I, after Joey's rant about putting things in number 45. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fair thing. As you said you have a little bit of a, a soapbox to get on here. So, yeah. You, yeah. So, this makes sense in my head. So pull my microphone off if this stops making sense. So I went four four four, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like this four 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 doesn't equal twelve. It like equals eight. Like okay. it just doesn't come together. So separately, all these categories make sense to me, but together as a movie, it does not. This make is the Brendan B defense. <laughs> so <laughs> that's so you're going. These lawyers, they got they got to come through with this. So we went. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Right. right, we did. Oh, we did say we were going to come back to it. So, so we said we we're going to come back to something else too. And, and yeah, you asked yeah, me yeah. about so, about his so themes. It's what I recommend the movie to someone who likes movies and is not like trying to watch every best picture movie. That's like how like someone who like I wouldn't. I'm not going to try to classify this with someone who doesn't like old movies because that's not a fair comparison. I'm not going to be like, oh, this person who doesn't like old movies isn't going to watch this. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going through the ones you've you've covered in season three so far, right? So Godfather 2, yes, of course I would recommend that, right? Grand Hotel, I actually would. Mm -hmm. Chariots of Fire, I would not recommend. Smart. 12 Years of Slave, uh, slave absolutely 100% would recommend. I would recommend Ben-Hur. Yeah. Mm. I would actually uh, re recommend Around the World in 80 Days mm. well, to, to somebody. I would. Um, Hopefully not to me. Titanic, <laughs> I yeah, know. I mean, look, everyone's seen it, but yeah, I guess I would recommend GG, no, no, we'll get to that. Tom Jones, I don't think I could recommend. Mm -hmm. um, and Best Years of Our Lives, I absolutely would recommend. Yeah. Would I recommend this one? I don't think I would. Mm. I don't think I could recommend this to somebody who is, even if they like love the old movies, uh, I don't know. And you I just also, gave it a 444. So you also didn't love Rebecca, which is the year before. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there was a disconnect in that movie too. Yeah. And I, I don't... Hmm. I don't know if there's a comparison. That that one's like that one's just dialogue issues. Hmm. I think this movie wears its years. Uh, I yeah. do. Uh, yeah. It's not yeah. like unlike the movie we covered last week with with best years of our lives. I think that movie is you know That's is not just what I'm ageless. Compare to I'm thinking more. But like, that matters when you're recommending it to people though, because yeah. would you yeah. would you recommend Rebecca to people? Mm. No, I don't think I could recommend. Would you recommend The Lost Weekend? Yeah, I would, and I'll okay. be I'll be harder. I'm, I'm, the reason I'm picking those is because yeah. they're around yeah. the same year. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'm a little harder on Lost Weekend and will be than than most of the crew here. Right. But, but you yeah, still would, would recommend, recommend that. that. Yeah, okay. I would recommend that one. Um, so that being said, it's like, where do I place this movie? Do I did I give it higher numbers than something like The Grand Hotel? Yeah, I did. I think I gave Grand Hotel like three, 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 or three, three, four, or whatever it is. Probably three, three or three, two, three. I think yeah. I gave it, and this one I gave four, four, four. But you know what? This one I'm putting at seventy. Wow, yeah. I'm putting okay. it at yeah. seventy, and mm -hmm. it. I don't know if that makes sense with what I've been saying. It's just there is just a disconnect between how we the, the separate the performances. So and, and, and I, I feel I feel like where this comes in, I feel like you shouldn't have given this a four for story. The themes. But, yeah, but it's more than the that. Are, but, the but themes are okay. Solid. Didn't yeah, he? he gave it a four for four. No, I'm saying like you're saying I, I, you shouldn't. I, 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 yeah. think we sh I think you. I think. You but it's not story; it's themes. But it's both. It's how the story's yeah. told, themes, it's, it's and how the themes are delivered. Yeah, yeah. The, themes the themes are themes are, are strong. The themes were there. <laughs> um, 
I want to do our our other callback because you asked a question in the very yeah. beginning about his uh, Hughes memories and how are they important and how they tie in. Yeah. And I said they, you know, they absolutely are. Sure. And and the key reason here with this is he's collecting his things at the at the beginning of the movie. This is the end. He's moving out of the town, the town that he refused to leave. He gave up his education for. Mm-hmm. He chose to go into the coal mines for, even though he killed his brother and mm-hmm. would go on to kill his father. He never took the leap to leave. And these memories are what led him to those choices in life. And the choice was a poor one. It was okay. inevitably poor because the town is dead. It's broken. It's beaten. It's He he didn't make the right decisions in life. This, this, this movie isn't glorifying his decisions. You're with him and you're saying and you're rooting for him. But we were told in the beginning of the movie that he is not a success story. And that is commenting on the themes of the disintegration of the community and the family union. And it's a lot of the longing for the old country and, you know, what Ireland was before the potato famine and what England was before the Blitzkrieg and, and, and what, what it could have been before all the workforce ruined everything, capitalism and blah, blah, blah. Right. It's, it's the longing for the green valley. How green was my valley? Right. So, um, and it, that's that's pretty genius storytelling right there. I'm, I'm, they 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 bookended the movie really really well. The in between parts are a bit of a mess at times. They so are. it's funny. So you're, you, it's good that you mentioned Rebecca. So it kind of goes back to something I said about Rebecca. Is 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 it a positive that you have to watch a movie multiple times for until where it gets good, right? So and it goes to this: if I need if I need somebody to who's very knowledgeable about movies. You've brought this question up before. So you're very, you know these movies, you know them well, and you, ex- you just explain that really well. If I need you to explain that to somebody to make it enjoyable, is it a good movie? Okay, so here's my response to you this time, because I don't know that I had the best response mm-hmm. the last time. I think if you are going to get into film mm-hmm. and you're going to delve into different eras of film, particularly eras of film that are 80 years ago. Right. You have to have a little bit of a, of a scholastic approach to it and saying that I'm not just going to be looking for popcorn movies from 80 years ago because those movies were being made for a different audience. Yeah. And yeah, are you going to tap someone on the shoulder on the streets of New York City and be like, hey, how about my valley? Here we go. Watch it. What do you think? They're probably going to be like, ugh, that sucked. Yeah. You know, but I, I think that you have to have the right approach going into these things. And yeah, there will be some, yeah. like a probably Best Years of Our Lives, and we'll go the year before it with Lost Weekend. Maybe even the year before that in, in Going My Way. Those are probably movies you could watch once and say I had an enjoyable time. But I think that, I think that if you're going to go dip back in time, you have to be ready to be prepared to saying that that first viewing was designed for someone 80 years ago. I need to go back and run it back again. Yeah. Great. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you specifically bring up Rebecca, because remember when you said this, I think this is just where, where you and I where you and I differ, is that because I thought this movie was very good when I first saw it, but then having... The, what, which one are you talking Rebecca. about? Rebecca. Rebecca, okay. And then having watched it again, it's a, it's a completely different view because you kind of know what happens and you're able to read the situations very differently. It's it's almost like it's almost like um, watching The Departed again yeah. if mm-hmm. you're watching it. It, it. It's almost it almost feels like a, a completely different movie. Yeah, I think that the the Departed that's perfect point. Um, I think The Departed is 
great on the first watch and better on the second. I think Rebecca is fine on the first watch and better on the second. I think that's, that's where... The I, problem. But yeah. I think most of Hitchcock's movies are that way. Hitchcock sure. is intentionally yeah, playing Hitchcock. with his audience. So I, I think you also kind of know what you're getting into with the director. Yeah. You know, Nolan's probably that way. Probably the modern version of that where he's yeah. his... The second time you run it back and see he's doing certain things, he's not doing it to anywhere to the level that, that Hitchcock's doing. Right. But Hitchcock is playing with the audience and he's planting little things yeah. within the movie for you to find the second or third time. That's that's how the storytelling goes. Sure. I think you have to know what you're. Yeah, like you're if, into. if you don't like, because I, I kind of like, if you don't like the movie, you don't like the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 not it's not a movie that is not enjoyable the first time you watch it. At least it wasn't for me. It wasn't for Kieran. Like Rebecca, you know, yeah, Rebecca, yeah, or anyone so, else in the so, PPC community. Yeah, to so, be honest, though. so it's it's one of those. Uh, well, Artie wasn't high on it either. Nor was Chris. Yeah, yeah. but um, but again, I think I think they only watched it the one time. They, they did not rewatch it. I, I I think that I think it does take a massive jump, but I I still think it's a great movie. Besides that, yeah, you know, listen, not everyone has the mental capacity to like <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, uh, yeah. Christopher uh, Nolan syndrome is how I think of Rebecca a little bit, to be honest. Is that, what do you mean by that? That, like, like, Christopher Nolan makes movies, not all of them, but, like, he makes movies that you have to watch, like, six times. He wants you to watch well, he, he six makes, times. He, make, he him, makes movies know, deliberately. Well, no, but there's a huge difference here. Nolan makes movies that are deliberately confusing. Yeah. Um, Rebecca does something where it's a lot more nuanced, where when you know the outcome of the movie... You completely get a different performance from Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with that. And I want to just throw on top of that too, and because this plays into Rebecca also, we did best years of our lives, and this is kind of more into the Departed segment, where the first time you watch it, it's a super enjoyable movie. Yeah. But when you start to see some of the camera techniques they're doing and some of the tricks they're playing with the cameras, yeah, and you and you can watch it through the lens of different people on screen, that's when it gets a lot of fun. And I think that's some hey, of the hey, stuff. Hey, the same way. Yeah, yeah, and that's some of the stuff that, that Hitchcock is doing where it's still enjoyable the first time, but it, it's, it becomes a different movie the more you watch but, it. But I I, you know. that, that's, 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 where the, that's where the road splits, though. Like, if this movie was enjoyable the first time. Right, so. yeah, yeah, where it diverges. Departed is a perfect example because Departed is totally fine if you watch it it's once again. Departed is way more accessible than Rebecca is, Yeah, I think. Yeah. How do we get to Rebecca from this one? That's just this is what we do around here. So, it's one year before. It's one year before. Oh, so it's just, yeah, we're, we're around the we're, same. We're, yeah. we we're, 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 we're too fast in this episode. We had to pad the runtime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, yeah. we chose the one to ninety two segment to just go off the rails. <sighs> and go. Anyway. Grant, where did you have it? One, one to one to ninety two. Um. Oh God. Um. Ninety two. <laughs> oh God. Uh, ninety four. Um. I think I have it in the mid fifties. I think I, I know. I know it's kind of hedging my bets a little bit, but like, I, like I would recommend this movie to the average film enthusiast. This movie does very much have its has its merits. There are some issues with it. I, I overall, I, I think it's, it's it's a solid movie, but it's not. I wouldn't consider this a great movie. A lot of what you said, I agree with Grant, and I have it in a very similar placement, mid fifties. That's a, probably about where yeah. I think it will end up. Sorry, I Joey. Think I think the movie's historically important. I think it's important for people to understand why it beats Citizen Kane because it's so easy to just be like, how did that movie beat Citizen Kane? And yeah. just to watch it and go, how did this beat Citizen Kane? Like, it, you need to kind of go back in the time machine a little bit and, and understand it's, why it's these hard, movies it's hard, to, it's hard to do that. It, it is. It, it, to, put it is. Yourself, to put yourself in, in that 
So, but if you're going, but if you're going to make the choice, if you're going to make the choice to rank these movies, you have to have some understanding of that. You can't just be like, I'm just going to watch it one time and then just disregard everything. And maybe that's how you do it. Maybe that's how you choose to do it. That's fine. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's. I mean, listen, the director, four best directing wins. So that's 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 the best. That's the yeah. most of all time. Yeah. That's a big. Yeah. He's a big important figure. I don't know. I, I I like the movie. I think it's. I think it's doing some great things. I don't think it's going to carry the level of excitement as some of those other movies that are in those forties are. That I'm that I'm just going to probably lean toward a little bit. But there will probably be some historical importance that I'll lay into this one. But I would mid to late fifties is probably what I would guess. That's yeah. what I guess it was going to be. I guess my overall thought on this is like comparing it to when you throw like an all star sports team together and they just don't get it done. It's like mm-hmm. all the things look good, but yeah. for some reason at the end, like the uh, it's just the, the, the O four dream team yeah. or the o- <laughs> yeah 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 like yeah Lithuania. The, lost to Lithuania yeah <laughs> right. It's like you got all this everything. Separately looks great, and then together there's just something they just didn't follow through on this plot point. Just a little disconnect. Yeah, there was a, they just the team chemistry they didn't, isn't they there. didn't hit what they needed to hit on. They had it all in front of them, and it just wasn't it wasn't there. Like they spent ten minutes with singing for the queen in a random spot. You know, they mm-hmm. weren't to, to the so. point of that. And I, I kind of want to bring that up too because I really love this part where they're singing and they're and they're celebrating. I don't even know what brother it was that got the note from the queen. They got the letter. <laughs> that's the problem. Yvonne or whatever. Evil well, brothers were horrifically evil. developed. But, yeah. but the two brothers are going to America, kind of just snuck out while that was going on. While, his other, while the other brother was getting all this adulation, they're like, yeah, let's just go out the back door and just get on our ways. I thought that was a really. really oh my God. I yeah, that was a really that powerful was... moment. That was a that was another example of Ford's long shots yeah. where you have the bro, the the little brother Hugh in the other room going, huh? Oh, yeah. can't get out of bed and he's just where's where are you going? Watch, where are you going? Watch, and watch they, they couldn't say leave. goodbye. Yeah. And that's one of the scenes, Grant, where he jerks the camera yeah. to the right to see them run down the road. It's like one of the few movements of the camera within the movie yeah. and that's a shifting point of the two people leaving. Yeah, so yeah. Again, if you develop the brothers a little better, maybe that would. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure. happy you brought up that scene. But that, that, that was, a, that you, was just, you, just brought, you brought up the singing scene that, and that was kind of it lends itself to this powerful moment. Okay. Yeah. No. Look, this is an odd movie. It's. Uh, it is a tricky yeah. one. It's almost like it's, it's so close to the best movie of all time. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so close to the worst Oscar movie of all time. It's, yeah. It's like it's really right sh- on the edge. Yeah. It's a very interesting. Like if, if they did a few more, if they added like 20 more minutes to this movie. And really fleshed out some details. I feel like this could have been a masterpiece. So during the, the Tom Jones episode, Kieran asked me, because I was trying to defend Tom Jones, and he was like, all right, so what what does the best version of this movie look like? And I was like completely stumped. It was a great question. <laughs> a great question. I was like, but, 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 I don't know. But this one, it's like the best version of this movie has like a couple less brothers Hits the union stuff, ages the character, is like two hours and 45 minutes long, yeah. and it's the best movie of all time. It's one of the best yeah. movies of all time. The yeah. worst yeah. version of this movie is that it's a fucking, like, it's everyone's cavalcade. singing it's and cavalcade. dancing. Yeah, it's Cavalcade. It, yeah. Yeah. The worst the, version the, of this movie is Cavalcade. The best version of this or movie Oliver. is... <laughs> or Oliver. Well, other? we turn it into musical, yeah. <laughs> the, the best version of this movie is a more airtight yeah. Gone with the Wind. 
which is yeah. from yeah. you know from a, a, a Welsh Gone with the Wind, but yeah, and then the worst version is Cavalcade. Yeah, yeah it's a super that, interesting yeah. Dis- uh, discussion. Uh, yeah, like what, what but this movie. this movie does teeter with the best version of being really really great. Yeah, so I do love there. the heritage of this movie though, and that's yeah. and again that's a personal thing. That's sure. that's just kind of where my ancestors from, even though they may not be from Wales, but they're from uh, John uh, Ford's version of they're Wales. They're from that region. <laughs> yeah, right. If you told me this was the thirtieth best. Best picture movie, I would say. Okay, yeah. That, yeah. If you told me it was the 80th, I would. Yeah, that, that's fine. I, I would be surprised at 80. I, I feel like I would be surprised. At I 80. feel like Beauty and the Bounty plays in that world too, where you know when when I hear one yeah. of you guys rank it real high, it's like, oh yeah, and then when I hear one of you guys rank it real low, I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of, and I think that's maybe the era a little bit. It's yeah. it's tricky to, you know, we're we're within that, that's that a ten movie, year that's period. That's kind of. Muni's kind of, it's a hard movie to quantify too. Yeah. A little bit. All right. So uh, this is not a Who Should Have Won podcast. We do like to talk about the other movies that were nominated for Best Picture in the given year. Okay. And we will start with, Oz, you're a big Bulls fan. So we'll go with, Let's do it. here comes Mr. Jordan. All right. I don't think it's Michael Jordan. Dun, but dun, uh, dun, 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 Boxer, we got a boxing movie. Boxer Joe Pendleton dies 50 years too soon due to a heavenly mistake and is given a new life as a millionaire playboy. What a what a screenplay idea. <laughs> I guess 50 was... years too soon. So I guess he dies at 30 and he was supposed to like heaven made a mistake is the deal. It's like a, they made like a clerical error. Yeah, clerical yeah. error. St. Peter made a clerical error. And he's like, all right, <laughs> we're throwing you back down there. Here comes Mr. Jordan. Directed by Alexander Hall, stars Robert Montgomery, Claude Rains, and Evelyn Keyes. I can comfortably say I've never heard of this movie. Never heard That's, of it. I guess back then, when you were a boxer, you're not making good money. Because if you're a good boxer now, like, yeah, you're yeah. doing all right. No boxing. And, and here we go. One original story and uh, and screenplay. So I there guess it was clever idea back then. So we'll take it. Sure. Here comes Mr. Jordan. Put it to bed. Blossoms in the Dust are next. Blossoms in the Dust after losing her young son. We have a lot of people dying too early here. Edna Gladney opposes the unfair laws discriminating against children whose parents are unknown and opens an orphanage for those children. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. It sounds like it'd be okay. It sounds like an Oscar Beatty movie. Yeah, Walter Pigeon's <laughs> in this one as well. Oh, wow. Alongside Greer Garson and uh, Felix Presser. It's directed by Mervyn Leroy. Another Mervyn. Mervyn. <laughs> Another Mervyn. There we go. There we go. Blossoms in the Dust. Okay. It won one Oscar for Art Direction. Color. Not this Art Direction uh, okay. black and white went to... Sure. What the hell, Green? Let's head over to One Foot in Heaven. Lots of heaven talk this year. What's going on here? An episodic look at the life of a minister and his family as they move from one parish to another. A, a, a sign here that ministers can have families. This is the, All right. Our minister in, in How Green did Just not. Just curious. But uh, One Foot in Heaven, directed by Irving Rapper, stars Frederick March, who we saw in, uh, in Best Years of Our Lives. Sure. Martha Scott and Beulah Bandi was... This is the only Oscar it was nominated for Best Picture. That's never a good sign. No. That's, that's... This is a funny one because on uh, Rotten Tomatoes it has 100% critics and 55% audience. Huh. Okay, we're going to move on to Sergeant York starring Gary Cooper. A Tennessee farmer and marksman is drafted in World War I and struggles with his pacifist inclinations before becoming one of the most celebrated war heroes Directed by, by Howard Hawks, 
stars Gary Cooper, Walter Brennan, Joan Leslie, won two Oscars, including a lead actor win for Gary Cooper and film editing win, too. So This one looks like it's highly regarded. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant York, yeah, I, I saw that was in the 1001 book, Gary Cooper's Oscar win. Do we want to go Hitchcock or we want to go William Wyler? Which one do we want to do? Two guys we've been talking a lot about tonight. Let's go Hitchcock. Let's go Hitchcock. So Hitchcock is Suspicion, 1941. A shy young heiress marries a charming gentleman and soon begins to suspect he is planning to murder her. Uh, murder. This has been on my list for a little while here because this is the Joan Fontaine Oscar win. Okay. So yeah, Joan Fontaine, Cary Grant. I am a believer that Joan Fontaine should have won for Rebecca, but I'm happy that she won the following year here for Suspicion. I'm looking forward to seeing this movie. Cary Grant's a great is a great start. Too. Yeah, this yeah. one's probably very good. Yeah, yeah. just see this is to see the plot seems like it's in Hitchcock's yeah. wheelhouse, and uh, we'll go to William Wyler's The Little Foxes next. This is mm. one that's uh, it's a Twitter favorite. It's been popping up on Twitter left and right here. I've noticed. I you know Ronaldo Sosa brought it up. I saw Cinemas brought it up, and it's uh, an interesting one. Betty Davis, starring in this one, the ruthless, moneyed Hubbard clan lives in and poisons their part of the Deep South at the turn of the 20th century. Mm. Doesn't give us a whole lot there. Stars Betty Davis, Herbert Marshall, and Teresa Wright, another uh, another vet of, sure. of old best years of our lives. William Wyler likes to, to reuse his actors there. Nominated for nine Oscars and did not win any, sadly. It was Best Picture, Best Actress in the Leading Role, Betty Davis. Best Actress in Supporting Role, Patricia Kalinj. Best Actress in Supporting Role, Teresa Wright. Best Director, William Wyler. Best Writing, Best Art Direction, Best Film Editing, and Score. So, up for a ton, didn't take one. Yeah. Okay, we're going to head to, over to the big two here. And well, I guess we'll start with Maltese Falcon. And uh, we'll, I'll just read a brief synopsis, then I'll kick it off to you guys there. So Maltese Falcon, directed by John Huston, San Francisco private detective Sam Spade takes on a case that involves him with three eccentric criminals, a gorgeous liar, and their quest for a priceless statuette with the stakes rising after his partner's murder. I, I do believe Humphrey Bogart, and I hate to do the hyperbole, but he is one of the best actors, if not best of all time. I think he's in the best movie of all time. Not this one, but but he is. Yes, I think he is in the best movie of all time. Uh, This movie is great. Do I personally think it's better than How Green Is My Valley? Yes, I do. Am I very upset that this lost to it? No. Um, It's a it's a great caper. I I can't say it's it's horrible that it got beat. You know. Yeah, and And I don't think it's horrible that he that he didn't win Best Actor for this one. And would it have beaten Citizen Kane? Uh, no, I don't. That, no, it, it's, a, it's a it's appropriately the third movie in yeah. this in this list. I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah me too. Grant. Yeah, I, 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 it's a solid movie. We we talk about this in some movies where they're great movies, but they kind of lack thematically and, and mm. deeper picture stuff. Uh, I think Maltese Falcon is mm. falls in falls into that that area where it's a really good movie, but really nothing. Deeper than that. Yeah, and I think we learned in our rankings episode, Ray, you're not huge on the legacy that movies leave as far as like I, ranking them individually. I, I, when I rank movies, when it comes to the seasons, it's very much just in a vacuum. What I, they I, are. Yeah. What they are in themselves. Yeah. And and I think that Maltese Falcon's greatest feat is what it would do for the noir oh, genre yeah. and, and all that. So when looking back, someone can, uh, if they came screaming and yelling at me about how much more important the Maltese Falcon was for what cinema became, 
then how great was my valley? I mean, I don't know that that's as simple to say that, but I, I hate to say it, man. If I'm in the academy in 19, 1941, I think my vote is going to go how Green is my valley over Northeast Falcon. Yeah, That's just me. I, I love it. It's a great that. movie. Humphrey Bogart's wonderful. John Hughes is a great director. It's a, it's a super cool screenplay. They make it work. It's it influences the noir genre. It's a great movie. It belongs in the AFI 100. Yeah. That leaves us with one movie left here. And here that comes movie Mr. Jordan. Is Citizen <laughs> All that money can buy. No. It is Citizen Kane written, directed and starring Orson Welles. Following the death of publishing tycoon Charles Foster Kane, reporters scramble to uncover the meaning of his final utterance, Rosebud. Written by Herman Mankiewicz, Mank himself. The Mank. Yes. That's the worst legacy that Citizen Kane left, is that I had to watch Mank. I know you actually like Mank. <laughs> yeah, you're a rare person who likes Mank and doesn't like Citizen Kane, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, do I feel... Qualified to talk about Citizen Kane right now? No, it's been a while since I've seen this yeah. movie, so but, yeah, you know, maybe I need to see it to do it through a different lens. Grant, you watched it this week? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. Thoughts on on this this time? Is your second watch? Yeah, um, I I think it's I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I really do. It's just as easy to bow down to this movie as it is to completely dismiss it, because <laughs> I know a lot of people do. do that also, uh, I th- I feel like. Both are, are kind of justified, um, but I, I really, I really do love this movie. I think I think it's a great character study, and how corruption and power and your obsession with power um, mm. completely takes over and changes who you are as a person. It's and the cinematography is is unparalleled. It well, that is for damn sure. Yeah. And God. Orson Welles' performance in this is so good. His yeah. acting performance is so good. I almost, I mean, I, I, he won for writing. He's up for the three. They tend to, when someone's up for the three, they tend to like to pick one to give it to him. And right. the writing, I guess, probably the right one. But I, I kind of thought I like might have won for acting, man. I, I, I think it's impossible to be considered the best movie of all time and not run the risk of people calling you a little overrated. And sure. I do think that there are aspects of this movie that tend to fall in the underrated category. That being said, as you, as you said, Grant, the cinematography is unparalleled. Dare I say that this is kind of a thematic companion piece to How Green Is Our Valley? As we have... Oh, interesting. In How Green Is Our Valley, we Listen have... Up. Young Hugh, who clings close to his family and never manages to find himself because he can't leave his town. And we have Charles Foster Kane, who's pulled from his family and pulled from his town yeah. and, and spends his life through fortune and fame trying to find his way back to his family trying, and his town. So they're, love again. they're kind of yeah. like, like polarizing thematic forces these movies so i never thought of it that way yeah an, an interesting study between two guys who, who kind of are on either end of, hmm. of, of things would so. this be a five 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 for you guys i think it would be yeah yeah pretty yeah. easily is this would this be the number one movie that you've covered so far between the four no I, I put the two godfathers over it i'm gonna reserve okay. the answer my answer is no but i'm not gonna say more than that okay. i mean um yeah okay I, I do I do strongly feel that there are two movies maybe that we've covered, but there are at least two movies that I think are pretty objectively better than this movie, possibly a few more. But yeah, no. So I I, I don't think it's the greatest movie ever made. It's 
a five five five. I think. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, it would be hard to. I think it's the greatest movie from nineteen forty one. I can't. I can't argue with that. Um, okay, so uh, anything else on Citizen Kane? Oh, so. got it. Gentlemen, we did it. It's, it's a new year. Valley. It's a new year. Yes, it is. New year, new year. Here we go. There it is. New year, same podcast. That's right. We have exciting things coming up here. We're going to cap off our season three. And around March, we'll have our season three rankings. I think at the end of March is around when that will be. Blood bath. Oh, my God. A couple more months to go here. a disaster. Got some fun movies coming up. We have uh, The Beautiful Mind coming up. We have The English Patient is going to be in the mix. Perhaps Green Book. We might tackle the Green Book monster. Uh, There's going to be some fun ones, though. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Gentlemen, great work today. A lot of fun. Kicking off a new year, a lot of fun. Closing thoughts? No, uh, Oz watched Rebecca again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you haven't watched it 20 times, you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah. And Kieran watched the Beatles documentary. Yeah. I, I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be watching the Woody Allen movie you gave me, Grant. Oh, yeah. I got a couple new things on the list here. So, Okay, we are officially leaving the Valley, gentlemen. And uh, we learned it isn't easy being green, especially if you're going up against Citizen Kane. And against Maltese Falcon. But we made our way out and we're moving on to next week. They will and we'll see you then. We'll have the great Ray Charles play us out. No, it's not that easy. It seems you blend in with so many other Sparkles on the